They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness. They talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am here for another installment of The Perfect Edge with The Mouth of the Bout. And correct me if I miss any. The Mouth of the Bout, The Face of the Heel, The Whole Effing Podcast, The Low Down Donovan Lloyd. Did I get them all? That's good. I think it's one missing, but it's okay. <laughs> now, if, if you remember which one is missing, feel free to remind me of it. Because I'm, I'm remembering a lot of nicknames these days. Yeah, that's, no, that's fine. No, <laughs> we won't overdo it. All right, that sounds good. So, Donovan, it is a pleasure, as always, to have you. Welcome back. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, always. Um, so, you mentioned to me, you know, we did our Royal Rumble review show this week. Uh, you said that you had kind of the opposite opinion that we had on the show. Now, one thing I said, and I've been saying this for three or four days, I don't know how good the show was. I may have just had a really fun time. So that may have given me, like, rose-colored glasses as far as how good the show was. So what were your opinions on the Royal Rumble pay-per-view as a whole? Um, well, I felt, like, I felt like there were a lot of matches that should have been good on paper, and I feel like they weren't necessarily good when I saw them. Um, like, uh, And I'm looking at my notes now saying, like, the first – for the club versus Cesaro, Shane. I actually, this is the first pre-show I've, pre- I've ever watched. Really? And, you had and never it's watched only one? Be- no, <laughs> it wasn't worth my time. So, um, and that's only because you know the club and Cesaro and Sheamus were on a pre-show, and mm-hmm. Sasha Banks and you know, well, yeah, Sasha Banks was on a pre-show. Yeah. So, and just kind of leading that and leading into the actual show um, from the club versus Cesaro, Sheamus, Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax, the six-woman tag. Um, Bailey versus Charlotte, like those first four matches, it was just like, you know, I should be excited for these. And, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't really cracked up to what I thought they were going to be. Um, so kind of, let me look at my notes. Uh, yeah, kind of. And then the next three matches were really, really great. So like that kind of made up for what I felt was lacking in the first four mm-hmm. matches. <laughs> so, um, and then the Royal Rumble matches just, you know, that's a whole other thing in itself that we'll talk about <laughs> but um but yeah just um kind of each match there each of the first four matches there was just something about it that i didn't like um so i mean we could kind of go through really quickly each part and then we could you know just talk about each part of what i did like what i didn't like <clears throat> or you know so um we could start with the club and you know cesaro sheamus um <clears throat> i felt like it was about time that the club got the titles but it just seems like it's that eerie feeling behind them winning the titles. Like, they're not going to have them long or they're not <laughs> going to be booked properly. And it's just like, you know, I'm for some reason, because of that feeling, like, I just feels like, all right, I can't really be happy about them winning the titles because it just it, it feels like it's long overdue at this point. Like, it feels like they, they should have been had it and now they're just getting it. And it's just like, it's long overdue at this point. And being at this, at this point, I just feel like they're not going to have them very long. Yeah, like I feel like they kind of hit their peak in WWE in the beginning of the summer when they were teamed up with AJ. Like they actually were were good. They I feel like they were booked pretty strong during that time. And then somewhere in the middle of the summer after the brand split, they just became like an afterthought and a joke. And well, I think that's because 
Me personally, I think mm-hmm. it's because Finn got hurt, and I think they were going to try to connect them to Finn. And with Finn being hurt, it just, you know, kind of threw their story a little bit. So they just kind of had to do some other things. So they got lost in the shuffle just because of what happened to Finn. Not so much they didn't have plans for them. I truly believe that. Even though Finn said he didn't want to do the whole club thing, mm-hmm. I think eventually it would have got to that, and I think that kind of slowed them a little bit. Now, but you don't you don't feel right now, obviously, that they're about to do anything good with them. That it's just like, well, let's put these titles on you, but that's kind of the the whole story. Yeah, I feel like it's, yeah, just to, to add to them, you know, being around the world and winning all these titles and, now they've won that title. But, like, I feel like it should have been a special moment them winning those titles, you know what I mean? And it just wasn't. It was kind of like, you know, we got the titles and, you know, it is what it is. And I just feel like they're not going to have it long either, or they're just not going to be booked properly. They're going to be kind of like, like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. You got these guys who could be great with the title, but you're going to book them sheepish. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I don't know that any champion was booked more sheepish than – Seth Rollins, despite how long he held that title, I think there was like 13 TV matches in a row that he had lost. That at one point, like they they did not do Seth any favors. Um, but Seth was actually funny during his his uh, his his run, um, and it's kind of the same thing they did with Kevin Owens, even though like it's mostly been because of Chris Jericho latched on. But it's been like a funny run, but it's been very sheepish. So like I think now we're starting to see more shades of the the old Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. um, which I hope they really let, like, they let him turn back into what he was. But, you know, we'll, only time will tell. Yeah, that we have no way of knowing that yet. I do agree, though. Like, the, the go-home show before the Rumble, I thought they, they set him up to look good. Um, yeah, and he even had the, you know, the dazed out, you know, destruction face when he yeah. threw Roman to the table. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, that's that's the that's the Kevin Owens that, that we all fell in love with, the one who just you know does up to people and then looks like zoned out afterwards. Yeah, he was the NXT destroyer before Samoa Joe was the NXT destroyer. Like yeah. he he was laying people out every week. Um, yeah, I, I could I kind of agree with you on uh, the club. Like Gallows and Anderson haven't really been put in a position where I feel like they're going to thrive with those titles. It's more just we're going to give them to you. Um, now the that match I didn't see. I didn't see the women's uh, six the six woman tag. I saw it for three reasons, mm-hmm. and that's Mickey James. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I saw it for four reasons: Mickey, <laughs> Mickey James, Mickey James, Alexa Bliss, and Naomi. Okay, so the only reason I really watched. It. I mean, all four good reasons to watch it. For a great reason. I'm definitely, like, a big Mickey James. I don't want to say Mark, but I'll say Mark. So, like, <laughs> Nothing I, wrong with I, that. I, I love Mickey James. Always have been. So, like, when she came in, like, I don't know. Like, everyone's big on Trish. I've never been big on Trish. Like, even when, like, Trish was a big thing. Like, I was more about Lita or Victoria at that time. I definitely mm-hmm. loved Victoria, too. Um, so, um, yeah, when Mickey came along, I was I was definitely a Mickey Mark. So, um but um, based off of that match, I, 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 um, she definitely looked amazing. That's literally uh, one of my two notes is that Mickey James looked amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I, I could definitely see um, Naomi getting the title shot, but I feel like she needs, like, I don't know. I just feel like she needs to be healed again to have it because of, you know, the whole feel of the glow thing. Like, it's cool, but I feel like there needs to be a heel edge to it. 
in order for her to really go with the title because like it's cool her being a face, but she's been she's great as a heel. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny because I'm I'm always trying to turn people heel, but it's because <laughs> you know I see the greatness in them being heels. Right. Um. So um, I think she'll definitely have a tighter run. She may even get the title at some point, but I feel like they're gonna need that to turn her heel first. And you, so you don't think that this current program she's about to go in with Alexa Bliss is going to lead to her having the title? Uh, I don't see there any reason to take the title off of Bliss right now. I don't either. Like, uh, and I, I kind of was torn about this a little bit because I do think um, Naomi deserves it, but. I also think Alexa has been a really good champion. I think she's only going to continue to get better. So I don't see any reason to cut it short. Yeah, I mean, the only person I could see, and this is not even because I'm biased, but mm-hmm. it's because like she could literally turn and have a great as Mickey James and just be like, you know, you know, somehow you're a part of this whole women revolution thingy thing too, and right. you know, you know, you know, turn on her pretty much. So kind of like what Natty did to, uh, you know, Nikki and just, mm-hmm. you know, find some sort of gripe and then, you know, take it off her. <laughs> now about Mickey James. So we didn't know for those first few weeks who was actually going to be under the mask of La Luchadora. Mm-hmm. There yep. was obviously some speculation that it would be Mickey James. But I, I know myself personally, I thought, well, like what reason would she have to be a heel? What reason would she have to be aligned with Alexa Bliss. And then it turned out to be her. And then I loved that they actually gave her a legitimate reason for it, which I did yeah, not they, expect. I didn't think they were going to give her one. Yeah, they caught me off guard with that. I I was not ex- expecting her <laughs> at all. Like, I thought she... Because I, I wasn't really sure of... Because there was speculation that she signed and she was coming back, but mm-hmm. there was no real, like, you know, uh, answer to whether she was going to be main roster or she was going to be NXT. So it never popped in my mind that she, you know, that would be her. Yeah, I I had a feeling that whoever was under that mask on TV was not who it was going to ultimately end up being, which it wasn't. But I just, I did not really expect it to be her either. Uh, I'm glad it was because it's good Absolutely. to have her back. And she she adds a lot to that division. I mean, the, the SmackDown women's division, there's just so much more going on than there is on Raw. Absolutely. And it's the, the storyline is more storylines frequently going, you know, like even though like we had a six women's tags, like that's six women who already have stories that are intertwined with each other on, on a regular weekly show. Exactly. There, there were three individual stories going on in that one match. And then you also had, even though she really wasn't a big part of it, Carmella came out, who also is in a story with James Ellsworth, whether people like that story or not, it's still at least she's involved in something and she got on there based on the fact that she was in a story. Um, Two things. I like the shopping spree as much as uh, Elo did. He actually, he's the one who made me excited about it. Really? Yeah, that is good. That'd be good. That'd be really good. And then when we didn't get it that exact week, I was like, Elo's going to be mad, and I'm going to be mad too. So, But then when we got it that next week, I was like, all right, this is good. I was like, I can't wait to hear the podcast because I know he's going to go off about this. It's going to be and then two, like I agree with him as well, or whoever. I, I think it, may, it was either him or Eric. Like I really wish they would have left him in there when Cass was in there because I would love to see what Cass yeah. was going to do. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing? You know, I mean, he just beat him up. I forget who said it, but I do remember someone did, and I, I wasn't even thinking of that at that point because to me, I just thought it was funny that one, she had the Ellsworth faces all over her pants, and then I thought it was funny that he got tricked into going back in there with Braun. Because that's obviously how the whole James Ellsworth thing started. 
Uh, but I think that would have been a, a nice little touch to have Cass in there with him for at least a little bit of time. Um, yeah, in my notes, we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> Which one? Uh, all of it. Oh, okay. Oh, you mean the Rumble match itself? Yeah. Okay. That, so. That's, that's one, of, one of the spots that I liked. All right. So we had Sasha and Nia Jax. Um, uh, I just match. have one gripe about that. Okay, what's your gripe? <laughs> How do you go from main eventing to the pre-show? <laughs> a nine-minute match in the pre-show. I don't know. And that match kind of fell flat to me. Exactly. And this is why I said it's the first four were just like, I found something wrong with every one of the matches. Yeah, the I don't... Four. So, like, why... Now, again, I... I was busy talking to people, eating some food. I, I didn't pay super close attention. Um, especially because I have, like, a strict anti-pre-show policy. But... Was, the, was there anything... Was the match decent, or was it just kind of... What about it to you fell flat? It was pretty much like a squash. So that wasn't just in my head. I thought maybe I was imagining that it was a squash. No, nah, it was pretty much a squash. And it, it really, I don't know, I feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're not, they're not booking Sasha well. Like, how did she go from a champion who had these great matches with Charlotte to now just being broken and squashed by Nia? Which, I mean, I understand, like, Nia's a big person, so mm-hmm. it, it makes sense. But it's just, like, you're completely, like, selling, her, like, Sasha short, like, completely of what she's able to do by putting her in here with this person and just continuously, continuously getting squashed. So she has to come out of this feud on top. Otherwise, it just it just makes Sasha look bad to me. So, I mean, well, she will never look bad, but, like, it makes sense. <laughs> no, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, now, does this, does this story redeem itself at all if she is a heel at the end of it? Um, or do you I not even so much care about that? I, I mean, I don't. I mean, obviously, she's going to have to be the heel if they're going to do the Bailey storyline mm-hmm. because Bailey is just, like, super over with kids and things like that. And I just don't see her being a heel. So um, I think eventually she will go back to the heel boss, you know, thing. But at, at the end of this feud, I, I could care less whether she's the heel or the, or a face. Just as and long as she comes could, out on top of it. Yeah, because, I mean, it would be it would be stupid for her to not to. Um, so they have to somehow figure out a way for Sasha to come on top with at the same time still keep Nia strong. Um, yeah, I, and I don't think losing to Sasha Banks is that detrimental to Nia Jax, especially because she's dominated her already. Yeah, pretty much the whole feud. So. And that's, that's how it works for heels. Like, JR talks about this all the time. I think uh, X-Pac talks about it a lot is the, the heel is supposed to win every match but the biggest one. Like that's So that kind of is the way the story is supposed to go. She's supposed to be on top the whole time, and then Sasha eventually gets over in the end. That's just the way it's supposed to play out. Um, now, opening the show was the Women's Raw Championship match, and this one kind of felt the same way to me. It was just kind of like straightforward. Um, it didn't do a lot for me. Now, did... Yeah. You felt the same way about this one also? Yeah, I mean, I feel like, um, you know, it was, Bailey was able to show more of what she, you know, what we already know she's capable of. And, like, you know, I love the natural selection on the apron, but other than that, it didn't do anything. Like, it was just kind of like, you know, meh. 
and it's, was... it's kind of whack because it's like you know uh you know there are two great women wrestlers and it just like it wasn't and it's like and it was funny because i listened to the show today and it was just like you said a great point of what i believe like a lot of these women their best matches are with sasha so I just feel like it fell short of, you know, what both of them have done as far as, like, wrestling Sasha. Yeah, I I just felt like that match ended. I was like, oh, that was it? Like, yeah, it was a cool ending spot, and it was a good a good way to finish the match, but I just felt like, yeah, like, that, that was it. And I felt like that for both women's matches, like, back-to-back. Um, how, many, how many pay-per-view wins does uh, Charlotte get before she loses one? Um, I want to say till Mania, but even at Mania, I don't think that I think she may win it. I don't know because it's I don't know how long they're gonna run with this thing. The whole her winning sixteen it definitely would make sense, like having the sixteen because her father had the sixteen titles, mm-hmm. so that makes sense. But knowing WWE, who knows how long she's gonna run with it? She may run with it till she runs into Nia. So um. But I don't know, man. That's a tough one to tell at this point because of the women that are involved around the title as of right now. Yeah, I I really don't know either, especially because I don't know is how much longer is she feuding with Bailey or and how long before someone else is involved in it? Because I assume it's going to be more than one woman involved in their WrestleMania match. So it's it's only a matter of time before someone else has has a part in that story. Yeah, Um, me personally, I would have rather Sasha still have the title now, but Charlotte actually carries that title well, so I'm not really mad. I was mad initially, but I'm not mad about it now. Yeah, I I was mad also because I thought Sasha deserved it. I thought she had done enough to earn like a nice run with it, but that's not to take anything away from Charlotte because she looks like a champion. She carries herself like a champion, and that title is in good hands with her, despite the fact that I would have rather seen Sasha get a little more time with it. Um, and Sasha will get her time again uh, before too long, I'm sure. Uh, what was the next match? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Reigns and Owens. Oh, yeah, that was that early in the show. I forgot about that. Yeah, so, it was before Neville and Rich Swan. Yeah, so Jericho in the shark cage. Uh, no DQ. Uh, Braun Strowman gets involved in the match, which I didn't see coming. Uh, I thought a good match. Um, is this where the show started to pick up for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's because, in my personal opinion, I feel like this is the best Kevin Owens match we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly because, even though Jericho was there, he wasn't really, like, like, a lot of his antics weren't overshining what Owens naturally does. So we were able to really focus more so on Owens doing what he does and just having the match with uh with Reigns, and, he, and, I, and regardless of whether people like him or hate him, Reigns can go. Like, he, he puts on great matches, like, and that's, you know, most of we could say for other than some other football players who have come to the <laughs> WWE and can barely form sentences after hitting doors. <laughs> <laughs> not so, mentioning any names. Not mentioning any <laughs> names at all. But, um, you know, he, that guy could definitely go, and I feel like these two definitely put on a great match. Um, I wasn't sure if they were going to switch the title or not, but, and I don't know exact. I don't, I, still, I felt like they weren't for the most part because I just feel like they're somehow, I felt somehow Seth Rollins is going to have to go through Kevin Owens, get the title in order to intrigue Hunter enough to come and fight him at WrestleMania. 
Um, so I didn't, I was, I was more so like, okay, he's not losing the belt than I felt that he was, but I just definitely feel like this was the best Kevin Owens match we've seen in a while. Um, I feel like Jericho in the cage wasn't really necessary, but you know, they got to sell toys. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I just feel like, uh, for all the weird buildup that we've been getting for that match, I feel like it was worth it once we got the match. It was, it was, it was what, five, six weeks of the, the same monotonous thing every week on Raw. But at least when it came time for like the big match, they delivered. Yeah, I think uh, I thought that they were going to put the title on Reigns only because I bought into the idea of. I, I had read something somewhere that the, you know, the plans of Cena and Undertaker had changed. They were thinking of doing Roman and the Undertaker, and I thought, okay, if the Undertaker wins the Royal Rumble, that obviously would lead him into a title match against Roman Reigns. So that that's what I thought. So I was surprised. When it didn't. Now, your your theory may make some sense. The idea that Rollins would have to get through Kevin Owens and become the champion before he got he got to give Hunter his comeuppance. Yeah, but, well, I, <clears throat> the way I figured it, I mean, and you figured it obviously after Monday because you don't know Samoa Joe's coming up mm-hmm. until Monday because he wasn't the 30th pick. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, just like, you know, go through Joe first, have to get through that, and then, you know, you know, he the last person that, you know, Triple H kind of like pinpointed as like one of his guys was Owens. So, you know, go through Owens, you get the title and then you get Triple H. Um, and I don't know how they were going to do that in a two month period. It would kind of quickly have to do that. Um, but, you know, I think they could have pulled it off um, if they did it the right way. But, you know, once again, like I said, this is raw. So that's a, if they did it the right way. <laughs> yeah, that's not when they do it the right way. That is definitely if they do it the right way. And I typically don't trust that they will. Um, how many shark cages do you think they sold after Sunday? Um, I mean, they, this is the second time we've seen that uh, within like the last six months because um, they had uh, uh, TM61 and the Authors of Pain do a, a match with the uh, Ella Ring in the shark cage at uh, NXT. I think one of the takeovers like a couple months ago. So this is a, and it's funny because like he dropped something in the cage. So I knew Jericho was going to drop something out of the cage. Like, and that's probably like the <laughs> second or third time something that happened on NXT. Like they've done it on the main roster. Mm-hmm. So um, wasn't really surprised by by what happened. But Jericho just sold it better because um, he sells everything better. Mm-hmm. He's, He's He's the best seller in the company. He just sells ridiculous <laughs> things that you would not think, like, oh, this isn't going to get over. He just oversells it, and it just gets over. Yeah, we he, he yeah. sells it, and we fork over all of our money to buy it, whatever it is. Yeah, so, I mean, just the, the fact of, like, all right, you're going to be in cage. It's like, all right, well, we're, uh, I'm going to be in the cage like a sexy pinata. <laughs> it's just like... It's like you knew something was coming. It's just like, there it is, sexy pinata, there it is. Yeah, or, or uh, a, like a giant salami, Chris Salamico. Like yeah, just that the, was the, funny. the silliest things that he comes up with. And oh, we I just have, eat it I up. have to correct myself. It's mm-hmm. a very sexy <laughs> pinata. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that he had elevated it to a very sexy pinata by the end of it. Uh, did you pop for his celebration in the cage on the way down? Yeah, I, I was I was hoping he didn't do too much. I'm like, those cables are like lowering you down. So please do not do too much in there, man. Yeah, just please like, be careful with yourself. Yeah, WWE does not have a great track record with cables and people. So no, they don't. Now, and I'm still very upset about that. Yes. Now, as we said, the the story to get to that match was not the most entertaining. The match itself was. So that being said, are you glad that this is now behind us? 
Um, yes and no, because it's like, all right, well, well now they have to figure out. Well, no, they don't, because obviously they're going to go the, uh, the Braun route, I guess, with mm-hmm. Roman. Braun has, like, three storylines running concurrently like, <laughs> to him. And it's, like, so crazy, because it's like, all right, well, Roman's going to go him. And it's like, well, wait, like, that's Roman's option. Like, Braun has, like, three other people that still, like, hate him and yeah. want, like, parts of him. So we'll see what happens there. But, um. At this point, it's like, you know, if if, if Seth's hurt and they're not going to do that with Kevin Owens, then that means that they're probably going to push up him and Jericho's feud. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I'm necessarily ready for that. I, I don't know if I'm prepared to see that just yet um, because I, I love what those two are doing right now. Um, yeah. But, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's like I'm ready for it, but I'm, but I'm not at the same time. Because it's like I know it'll be great, but I don't know if I'm ready for, for what they're already doing to be done. So I agree yeah. with you about that. Um, so you mentioned before we started this, the Cruiserweight Championship match. Well, we have to talk about the Ambrose and Zane segment quickly because it was – <laughs> I, I, I don't know why, but, like, WWE must have heard, like, the episode that I was on where I said I don't like him because he's been, like, good for, like, the past couple of weeks. And it's like, it's, it's it's the same thing, like, when I said I didn't like Nikki Bella, like, I think they paid attention to that, and they've been really trying to make me like her. So, the WWE definitely, they're definitely in tune to what's going on in this, this podcast community here. <laughs> it's not the first time we've thought that. Um, now, that's just further evidence that they are paying attention. Now, you mentioned that Ambrose has, has been good since you said that. Did you by any chance see the most recent episode of Total Divas? No, I don't watch that. Okay, neither do I. I just happened to... Now, Alo watches it. He's an avid fan. I just happened to see it, and during the episode, Ambrose was meeting Renee's parents. Um, oh, God. He had met them before, like, backstage, but never, like, got to, quote-unquote, know them. So he Formally went up to... meet him. Yes, he went up to Canada with her to hang out with her family, and he was so unbelievably funny. If If there was ever going to be a Total Divas episode you should watch, it would be this one. Because he was thoroughly entertaining. Um, and it made me actually li- like him more as well. But yeah, the whole thing was that... That was when he was looking for the churros, right? Yeah. That wasn't on... Okay, I, I, I was thinking well, maybe yeah, it was, it was SmackDown. It was that and then the whole uh, thing where they uh, picked numbers and, you know, Sammy... They're, they're, they're really uh, showing Sammy's like backstage character a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they just a little, little annoyance. Yeah. Like, and he's just like, hey, you want me to look at it for you? Like, he's like, would you? And, uh, he looks at it, and then he's like, eight. Hey. He's like, oh, wait a minute, it's upside down. Eight. I'm just like, oh, yeah, ah, that's funny. I died at that because, okay, so he said, okay, you're number eight. Oh, hold on, it's upside down. So obviously I knew it was coming and it was still going to be eight. But it's like knowing that he was going to say it and then the way he delivered it, I thought made it even funnier. Like that I that obviously you knew that was coming. Even Daniel yeah, like Bryan the yelling at Sammy. Yeah. Daniel Bryan yelling at Sammy, like, just take the ball. Like, everybody's so annoyed with him, I think, is, is funny. Do, do, now, do you like that they're kind of pushing that annoying character with him? Uh, yeah, because I feel like it's 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 giving him moments backstage. Like, even, like, when they did when he did the thing with uh, Seth and, and Roman, <laughs> Seth's face, like, like, when he turned away, like, just, it was so hilarious. Like, he's just like, come on, guys, come on, yeah, let's do it. And they're just like, uh. No. Yeah, the reason I like it is because 
those guys talk about how annoying Sammy is, like in yeah. real life. And I think like Austin likes loves to talk about, you know, the best characters are like when it's you just turned up to eleven. So it feels like in a way they're 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 kind of letting him be himself just turned all the way up to the most annoying he could be. Um, yeah, because I feel like that's the same thing they did with Angle when they had him and Austin together. Like, they <laughs> just had him turned up to be, like, this really nerdy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Who, and then, like, just could wrestle. Like, he was good at and could win. Yeah, and I think that that is going to be good for Sammy. Um, and not to get too far off the rails, we talked about this on the show. Do you think Sammy is the next U.S. champion? I wouldn't mind it. Um, um, he definitely deserves some sort of title run at this point. Um, I really still want him to go to SmackDown, but you know, I'll take him as the U.S. champion. Yeah, I mean, I get. I would guess the earliest we'll get him going to SmackDown, being that they had the perfect opportunity to trade him to SmackDown, and they didn't do it. I would guess would be what July if they redraft, but I, I don't know if that's what they're going to do this time around. Yeah, I would like him. I would like Sasha. Um, and possibly even, I mean, Cesaro isn't, isn't even a, uh, you know, you don't hear his name much thrown in the pot of going there anymore. I wanted people wanting him to go there anymore, but yeah. I still wouldn't mind him going there. Yeah. Once he got in the tag team and started to get a little bit of, of, uh, momentum with that, people stopped talking about it, but they're ultimately, obviously him and Sheamus weren't going to last forever. And he's going to be right back where he already was, which is, I don't want to see that again. No, I, to me, it, it had some promise if they became, like, a dominant tag team. But they didn't. So, like, what do you do with them now? Like, I don't, I don't need to see them win it back. And they had a chance to, to run with it to, quote-unquote, change the face of the tag team division. Well, they didn't do that. So I think it's time for that story to just go. And I really yeah. don't want to see them against each other again either because we've seen yeah. enough of that. Uh, we've seen it uh, <laughs> a lot of times. Yes, too many. Um, what were your thoughts on the cruiserweight title match? Because this this is what I remember the least from the show. Oh, um, it was definitely um, Neville. They put the title on the right guy. They put mm-hmm. the title on Neville, and it's it's good because um, I feel like each uh, person who's had the title so far has had a, at least a decent amount of time with the title. Um, so I feel like it was, you know, they've had it going long enough where they built up a good story for these two. They definitely had a storyline with them already, you know, knowing each other in Japan and things like that. And I feel like, um, it was definitely, uh, a good period of time and definitely time to put the title on Neville. Um, and it gave it enough, it gave Rich Swan enough time with the title, um, to hold it and to have this storyline and, you know, be able to pass it off to Neville and not feel like, all right, he's had, he didn't have the title very long. Um, I like that Rich Swan had on his breast cancer awareness gear. It looked very cool. <laughs> it is always a good look on Rich Swan. Not everybody so, um, can do that outside of my, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah, my favorite spot was uh, Neville telling the kid to shut up. And the kid is just saying, make me shut up. Make me. <laughs> it's just like, dude, like they're recording. <laughs> like, like he's not going to like. Like, even if he was, he's not going to do anything right now. Like, there's cameras all over the place. Yeah, like, now's not the time for him to make this kid shut up. Um, yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I just feel like the title's on the right person. And I, ha- I I don't know if I actually put this on social media or anything, but I cannot wait to see Neville versus Tony Nese, and I don't care when we get it. I just want <laughs> Just want to see it. Um, so I have been avoiding social media at all costs because I can't bear to read any more 
like Trump stuff for the for the time being. I, I need to to detoxify my brain from it a little bit. But I have a mental block for it. Like yeah. I see it and I just like <laughs> immediately scroll down. Like or yeah, I maybe it's not there. So maybe I need to build up that type of tolerance for it where I just don't notice it anymore. But I I, I know I don't want to see it. Um, yeah, you don't have to accept anything you don't want to see. <laughs> You're right. Um now, Rich Swan, do you know anything about his injury? Do, do we know if it's – I assume it's a real injury because he did take a pretty hard bump on that suicide dive. He said he did it on a kick. Um, if Rich Swan is out, where do you think Neville goes from there? Um, well, I mean, there's – that's. I mean, that's, this is the one division in the WWE where there's tons of people who, like, People are not gonna be like, ill him or no, mm-hmm. not him, because they're all they all can legit wrestle. Yeah. Um, Gallagher's over right now, so no one would be upset if that's the next thing. Um, I don't see Gallagher. T- I don't see anyone taking the title off of Neville like soon, because um, I just feel like they're gonna give him a dominant push for a while. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they could do the they could do the uh, the the Gallagher thing. Um, Tony Nese is they're, they're obviously starting to build him more, so that's mm-hmm. going to come at some point. Um, you got uh, they've been building up. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ali Mustafa uh, Ali, yeah, yeah, Mustafa Ali. They've been building him up, and I never, I didn't initially think anything of him, but he's definitely been like proving himself the last couple of weeks. He definitely has. Uh, he could definitely go. So um, he's he's another guy that could they could bring up. I wouldn't mind him and Kendrick having a few because mm-hmm. they're two, you know, two of the best. Uh, character that we've seen 205 yeah. live or in the cruiserweight division like otherwise i, I definitely like brian kendrick so um there's there's many ways that they can go with this title as far as the other titles that are in the main roster like there's many ways that they can go with this cruiserweight thing um so and i think that's good because they they've wanted that um just coming up with 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 all of the wrestlers that they've been signing and such yeah the, the, it's going to be a very deep division now do you see neville still holding that title come wrestlemania uh yeah um i don't see i don't see i don't see anyone taking it off of him right now like i feel like the the, the there's people that they have built up and the only person i could see like feuding with him again and it being good is either gallagher or kendricks mm-hmm. and how many how many guys will be in that cruiserweight ladder match that is absolutely going to be at wrestlemania uh well i think it's going to be the i mean it's usually six mm-hmm. um or around that number, so it's it's got to be at least six guys. So they definitely have six guys that they've built up at this point. So at least uh, those six that they've built up at this point. And do you think there's a chance that because I feel like the cruiserweights for the most part are just not over. Like there's obviously a segment of fans that love them, but I don't feel like they've had an opportunity to shine. Do you think? do you think that they could have a match at WrestleMania where kind of the more casual people who may be kind of tuning in for the first time in months will be like, Oh, I like these guys. Like, do you think there's a chance that they can kind of carve out some more space for themselves with people with a a great match at WrestleMania? Or do you think they're kind of destined to be where they are? No, I think they, that's the show where they can put them on and they'll put on a great show and they'll show what they're capable of doing because all of these guys are great wrestlers. Like all of them are good. Um, and, and I feel like putting them on that show and allowing them to go take the reins off them, let them do what they do. Like 
you know, taking the cuffs off of them. I think that's the perfect place to showcase them to do what they do and get people on board if they're not on board by then. Because they're the, they're the guys that, that they are on board with, they love them. You know, the Neville, um, the, the, the Gallagher, um, you know, even Swan to an extent because, you know, mm-hmm. they like the dancing and things yeah. that he does. Um, so, like, those guys that they do love them, but there's people that they're introducing you know, who like a Mustafa Ali, who, you know, they have to kind of start from the ground floor and catch the main crowd on. Um, but I think that's definitely the show. Like if you're going to do it, uh, you know, to really catch people onto this division, that's the, that's definitely the place you do it. And you take the cuffs on them off of them and let them go. I'm hoping that they let them, they allow them to do that. Um, do, are you watching 205 live weekly or not necessarily? Yeah. yeah I've been watching it weekly. I've been watching everything weekly. Uh, scale of one to ten, how worth it is it to be watching it every week? Um, I mean it's not a high scale of watching it, but it definitely, it definitely coincides. Like it, this is probably the most coinciding storyline uh, that run together that the WWE has done in a while. Like this is the only storyline that makes sense. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so like you know, they'll do stuff on raw and then it'll carry into two Oh five live. So, um, you know, it definitely, it definitely helps with the storylines from raw going into the show and it helps build the show a little bit. Um, so it's, it's definitely worth watching. Like, I wouldn't say it's not worth watching. Um, well, I don't know. I feel like it's worth watching because it helps build with what what they're doing on Raw. Right. Um, well, the, I mean, one that's good to know that there actually there's actually continuity between the two shows. Um, one thing I heard, I think somebody told me they have a hard time watching it because you could see people actually leaving the arena during the show. Is that well, true? I, think they may, I don't know if you necessarily necessarily see them leaving, but you could definitely tell like they move people up so that it still looks packed. So it's you could see like a different combination of clothing and colors in those yeah, seats. Like <laughs> absolutely, because I mean, compared to the first show, there was definitely like spots um, in the first show, so you could see it. So I feel like you know, once you know SmackDown ends, they you know tell people if you're standing for two or live, please move up. Mm-hmm. That way, it doesn't look you know less packed in there. Right. And I feel like they should just do they should film those matches like in the same at the same point in time of when they did the uh, the main event matches, like filming in the beginning. I think it's a good idea. Now, can you hear a difference in the crowd? Uh, I mean, yeah, I would think so because they're the the crowd that are still there left over. They they're there to see it. So, so I definitely think like it's not as good as the full sale crowd. Um, and I seen someone say that the full sale crowd was terrible on on an Instagram post. And I would like, and like me and like three other people just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like that is that is the best crowd. Like. For like, especially for like, you know, the 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 cruiserweights and the indie guys, like, that's extremely the best crowd. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that but, um, that absolutely was the perfect crowd for the cruiserweight classic. Yeah, and I think that, and that's like I said again, I reiterated. I think they should have had 205 Live down there in, in Florida, even though it had been a lot of flying. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think like that crowd just it it does a good job with you know their culture of you know of cruiserweighting and NXT and they, they put over people the way that they should be put over, at least for television anyway. Yeah. I, I think that it does, it definitely adds something to that division that they're not getting on the main roster. Like it's almost like when people used to say the women were the, the bathroom break, 
It's almost yeah. like the cruiserweights are becoming that now. There's a new bathroom break, yeah. Yeah, which which is a shame because those guys are fun to watch. They're just not, I don't know, for whatever reason, they're just not connecting at the moment. Um, now, something that did connect with the crowd was really the real main event of the Rumble pay-per-view, which was John Cena against AJ Styles for the WWE Championship. Um, I have a grape really quickly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is it? I, I dislike David Atungan by himself. <laughs> but he had the nerve to wear this Prince Purple Velvet blazer that night. And it's just like, what are you what are you wearing? Like it's just like not only are you gonna give us bad commentating, <laughs> but you're gonna give us a bad style selection as well. And I just I don't like like and it's funny because you guys were talking about it last night, like he literally like banters with people who come and sit at the announce table and they just rip him to shreds mm-hmm. and like no one else says anything they just let him get ripped to shreds and yeah, it's, it's so hilarious like especially Miz, AJ they, <laughs> but they butcher him every time and it's just like especially like his love affair with John Cena like I don't get it like he's just like he's always defending John like he defends John Cena more than Nikki does so it's just <laughs> it's just weird so I, I just wanted to say that, like, I agree with Alo 100%. Please get him off my television. And there's, like, four guys back there. Why are there so many people? It's it's ridiculous. And But I do, like, I love how JBL, like, like it's just, like, coming at him, like, digging at him on the low. Like, he'll, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you should know that counselor. So it's just like, so it's just like, like he just said, like, JBL, it's, it's so crazy because, like, JBL is starting to become, like, the number one guy, like, announce-wise on, on that show. And mm-hmm. I, I thought Morrow was definitely going to do it. So I don't, I don't know what's happening right now. No, JBL, over the course of – so we've been doing this podcast. I believe this is the 55th week. Over the course of those 55 weeks, JBL has really grown on me, where I think he's, he's very funny when he tries to be, like, extra serious. That's funny to me. The only thing about him that is getting on my nerves at this point is the whole big match John and him gushing over John Cena thing. Because if you're the heel announcer, you shouldn't yeah, be rooting shouldn't be for him. Cena. You shouldn't be rooting for Cena. Um, Eric has not argued with me, but he's he's pointed out, like, you know, they had kind of like a, a storied rivalry back in the day, so JBL respects him. But that's not what I want my heel commentator doing. Yeah, you're the heel, like. So I, I I don't know, man. Lines get blurred on WWE TV all the time. So they do, and, and although we did figure out that David Atunga at least provides unintentional entertainment to the announced team, not through any uh, credit to himself, but who gets it worse, him or him or Saxton? I think because Otunga's so bad, we've actually learned to like Saxton a little bit. Like, especially how, but especially since Corey Graves like gets on him so much, mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's great for their their for their trio. Yeah, but for Otunga, it's just like you're terrible, and but you're like you're good, like you're like great, like meat for like the sharks of wrestlers that are just gonna <laughs> rip you to shreds when, when they get on the announce table. So, cause you literally like you hear like no one else says anything when these wrestlers like argue, like banter with them mm-hmm. and they just rip him to shreds. Now, I think part of why Saxton works is you have Graves, who is kind of like the cool, edgy guy, and then you have Saxton, who's like the nerd, and that dynamic works together. Whereas Atunga, it just it it doesn't quite add up. Yeah, and I think it's because like 
we, other than like when he's bantering with people, he doesn't have much to say. And what he does says it's like it's like super obvious. Like mm-hmm. yeah, and the you know these two guys are in the ring right now. And it's like yeah, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, guys, Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles are in the ring together right now. And it's like, (laughs) no, really? Like, we know that already. Like, what? What do you do? Like, who writes your notes? Like, this is so obvious. So, um, but and I'm gonna be super sad when Austin Aries starts wrestling again. Like, I'm not gonna be sad, but like, he's great on commentating. He is. I know what you mean. It'll be a sad day when he's not doing that anymore. So if he could like just like commentate and then like get up. (laughs) <laughs> Russell or something like he could commentate in his ring gear yeah like just commentating the ring gear and then like when his match comes up he just goes and does his thing and I feel like the whole like like even when he had the, the interview with Tony Nese mm-hmm. he's just like okay yeah Tony Nese guys <laughs> <laughs> so he's just like he has that great jerk persona and it's just so funny no it is he he really is great in that role and I'm actually looking for this actually made me look forward to him coming back in a way. Yeah. Because him, I feel like maybe talk, they'll, though. yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like maybe this, they'll like give him a little more rope now. You know what I mean? Like they've seen him be able to talk. They've seen him be able to be entertaining on the microphone. Maybe when he's back wrestling, they will allow him to do that more often than they did before. Now, do you think yeah. he goes right back to NXT? Um, I wouldn't be opposed to it because, I mean, they just sent Joe up and you only have Nakamura and and Rude right now around the title. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they could they can excel him to that title picture at this point because he's a known face. Um, even though it's commentating, he's a known face and he's been out for a while. So he mm-hmm. could definitely, you know, pull a storyline where I've been prolonged from getting to the title because of the injury and blah, 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 and make a good case to get near the title. Um, not saying that it didn't exactly happen, and he doesn't. He's one of those people that doesn't necessarily need to touch the title there, in my opinion. But you know, I, I, I could see them doing that with him there. Do you think it's just or, as likely he ends up in the cruiserweight division? Uh, he could, um, and I, I and I don't think see anything uh, bad or wrong with that. Uh, and I feel like uh, you know, I feel like depending on how much tie weight they could throw him in there as well. Whenever he, I don't even think he's coming up. No. At this point, I think they just did that for, yeah, because he wasn't on any programming this week. So I don't know if they're building a storyline for him or what, but I think he still may be in a thing with sanity somehow. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with, with Ty just yet. I don't think it would be bad if they let him keep being in a storyline with sanity anyway. Like, I love yeah, seeing him. Yeah, because it's a good storyline. Yeah, I loved seeing him put in the 10 spot. I thought it was perfect that they actually did it. I, I was worried that they wouldn't, but I could see him. I think he would benefit from, like, a big story in NXT first. Um, now, yeah, we'll get to – could definitely get to that part of the – Yes. Uh, the Royal Rumble. Now, but CNN Styles. Yes. Do you, do you agree that come December of 2017, this will be on the short list of match of the year candidates? Yes. Um, I definitely think it will. Um I didn't see Cena winning his 16th title mm-hmm. right now. I felt like they would have built up to that more. Because um, I fet like they, they didn't really build it up to him winning, which is why it's so surprising that he won. Because I felt like they would have pushed the whole thing of him being 16-time champion more before he got the belt. Yeah. And I feel like they, they didn't do that. 
Um, um, and I feel like it's weird because it's like, all right, you have, you know, Elimination Chamber coming and there's so many stories about who get the title there and, you know, things of that nature. So it's just like, all right, he has a 16-time uh, uh, title, but how long is it going to last at this point? Because if it only lasts a month, a couple months, is it really worth putting giving him the 16th title now? Right. Versus building it up and him getting it and actually having a little run with it and it meaning something. Because I feel like if he loses it at Elimination Chamber any time before Mania, it's just it's gonna it's it's not gonna really be special. Him having it was just throwing him the bone. Mm-hmm. So this was actually I'm actually glad you brought that up because I don't think any of us mentioned that on the show. Um, that was one of the issues I had. I don't know if you remember. I think this was Survivor Series. Um, the Cena match was moved up to the first match of the night. And well, yeah, people, I, was that Survivor was, Series? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was one of. It was definitely pay per view, but it was because like the 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 debate was on that night or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, right. That's exactly why. But some people were theorizing it meant he was going to like win the title at the beginning of the show to get sixteen and then lose it at the end of the show. And I remember yeah, saying, like, I would be irate if that happened because the 16th championship should mean something. And yeah. I kind of agree with what you just said. If he just turns around and loses it on February 12th, like, what did that mean other than just getting to that number? Yeah, I think that was a triple threat match, too. Um, I think um, it, was no, it, it may have been no mercy. Uh, I, yeah, I think you might be right. Um, it, yeah, because Survivor Series would have been after the debates. So yeah, it was that is when it was. It was him, Styles, and Ambrose. Um, oh yeah, so that makes sense. I think though. Other than that, though, there were there were a couple of little things I didn't like about it, but the match itself was great. Yeah, I, I just I don't like AJ losing the title. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's been having a good run, but I definitely feel like that was their best match and that's because I don't remember the SummerSlam match because it was so <laughs> long ago to me, memory wise so like I would definitely go on a limb saying that that's their best match as of far could be wrong but you know, whatever It was a great match um, I was disappointed that AJ lost especially because Cena, and I hate to use this word for Cena because it's overused but he really did bury Styles leading up to that match Saying yeah, you're, much. you're just a guy from Atlanta. You're not even the guy from Atlanta. You're just the next guy I'm gonna beat. And then he just well, he did him. the same thing to Seth too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went from senior Cena to super Cena in that match. <laughs> now, what I did like was at least he came out on SmackDown and really put AJ over. Like you earn my respect. You bring out the best of me and all that stuff. I was like, okay, at least he did that. Yeah. But do you see? What what do you think are the chances that Cena still has the title coming out of Elimination Chamber? Zero? Um, no. I, I feel like the WWE will probably keep it on him. Uh, that, and, it's that, and that's why I sent you guys the question, like, what's the point of him having the title now? Or or them having that extra storage running, like, oh, Brave may get it or such and such may get it. It's pointless to even have the title on the line, especially if you're just going to keep it on Cena in the Elimination Chamber. Like, it's pointless. So you actually are completely the opposite of, this is where you're really opposite of us, that you think Cena definitely still has it coming out of that pay-per-view. Yeah, because it would be pointless to put it on him for, what, two weeks? So do you think Cena and Orton ends up as the WrestleMania main event? 
Yeah, I possibly, I, I think so because it's it, it would be pointless to give him a two week run and he's not leaving. Like I could see if he was leaving, and then you know you kind of get did that, then it would it would make sense to me. But I don't see the point of putting it on him just to lose it two weeks in the elimination chamber, especially when he's a selling point. Yeah, so. I definitely understand your your line of thinking, and obviously we won't know until we get there, and there will probably hear. A hundred different rumors going on with all these guys between now and WrestleMania Sunday. But um, that brings us to the Rumble match. And I know you definitely have some things you want to say about this. Randy Orton was the winner. So what do you think of Randy Orton as the winner first, before you get into any of the uh, details of the match itself? I'm not mad at it. I just want to see what they do with it. What would be your ideal thing that they do with it? Uh... Honestly, I, I have not thought about that. I, I didn't think I, this is the first Rumble where it was like I couldn't really gauge who was going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was very, very upset that I knew the first 16 or 17 guys that were in it. Yeah. And it's just like it took a lot of the steam out of that match for me. So at the point of who was winning, I was like, at this point, I really don't care. Like, because <laughs> like the match is already kind of ruined for me. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I really don't know, like, as far like, you can definitely go a lot of ways with Randy, but I think the thing that would most make sense, and, uh, and it's a storyline that people are saying that, you know, Bray gets the title at, at, at the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good storyline, Bray getting the title at the chamber. And then you kind of start seeing those two, uh, dwindle from out of the relationship that mm-hmm. they have. And then at Mania, you know, Randy getting his, what is it? Uh, 14th, I think 15th. 13th or 14th, something like that. Yeah, and then him getting his 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 title uh, reign again. So I think that's so a I good that's story. A I think it's a good story. I don't know what they're going to do, and like I said, we'll hear a hundred other um, rumors between now and then. Now, what were what were your positives about the Rumble match? Um, I like that when Kalisto came out and he threw his jacket, a fan grabbed it. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. So I don't know if he returned that piece of merchandise or not, but I just thought it was pretty funny. My guess would be uh, no. I would have tried to keep it. Yeah, I definitely would. That's <laughs> definitely going on eBay when I leave that building. Um, Strowman launching Ellsworth. That was it, it. It was a good. It was a good bit for me because mm-hmm. I just I like seeing things like that but at the same time it's just like yeah this guy there's no way he's not hurt because that was such a rough bump mm-hmm. um and he like just completely launched him and he barely cleared that rope so um it was it was a little little scary um baron corbin just kind of like how they've been putting him over he's definitely becoming a strong talent mm-hmm. um and uh they and they you know obviously they're they're gonna mask what he's not great at but i feel like he's he's definitely like learning and he's, he's excelling so i think he's becoming great um i'm looking look through my notes right now to see well, before you get like to that just it. a quick question is um i don't remember did were you always a corbin guy when he was in nxt or is he a guy who has grown on you in time no i've, I've always liked corbin okay yeah i wasn't sure if you were you were always a Corbin guy or not? Yeah, I've always liked Corbin. Um, did you like the Gallagher use of the umbrella? Absolutely. I I am upset that he was the only cruiserweight in the Rumble, though. I feel like, you know, Nice and uh, 
Gulak, mm-hmm. uh, Kendrick, those guys, they could have been in the Rumble. Um, and this is, and it, and Alo, I think, I, I think I was talking to him about it a while ago. This is why I felt like they should have implemented the 40 man Rumble again, because you have so much talent right now that could come and be a part of it. And, you know, you being that you already gave us half of them, like it would have, <laughs> it would have been at least more surprising with, you know, extra 10 entrants because of, you know, it, it brought more mystery to the match. Yeah, like you mentioned that they, that you knew 16 of them beforehand, and we actually looked it up before we recorded the show last week, and there were 22 people listed as being in it. Um, well, so, I mean, you could obviously guess who else is going to be in it. Right? Yeah, but you, you look at it, and there was no slots left, really, for surprises. But then when you look at it, who really was even in there that was all that much of a surprise? Uh, I mean, a tie was pretty much the surprise. That was the we, biggest we, one. And I think that was more of a surprise because we know WWE likes trolling its fans, so we weren't <laughs> sure if we were going to get it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and that's another thing. I was super happy Ty came out at number 10. But I know you said that you both liked this and didn't like it. So I'm curious what you liked about it and what did you not like about it. I mean, I like that we got it and that they, you know, they did the right thing by bringing him out. But I feel like the whole spot between Strowman and Big Show was kind of on, at least on camera, was was stole some of the steam from that because they were still talking about it around the point of when he was coming out. And um, they in that terrible camera angle, like, why are you looking at Strowman and then looking at a crowd member when he's coming out? So we missed the whole bit of him taking the vest off and, you know, soaking in that moment Mm -hmm. because you change the camera angle when he's coming down. And then when they change it back, we see him running down and they're trying to catch him as he's running down. So I feel like, you know, as far as for the people at home, it, it, it became a great moment to see him. And then it became super lackluster, like immediately because of the camera angles. And they were still kind of coming off of the bit of Big Show and Strowman. Now, you just actually recalled something to mind for me. Uh, last year's Royal Rumble uh, in Orlando. AJ. Yes, AJ came out, and there were a lot of gripes at... They didn't they didn't catch him coming out. They didn't catch the reveal of AJ Styles. Um, and it got basically blamed on the fact that it snowed up here in the Northeast, and WWE's camera crew wasn't there. So they were using kind of the NXT camera crew or whatever the excuse was. And, oh, yeah, they weren't as experienced. Well, this year you don't have that excuse, and you still had an error. Now, granted, Ty Dillinger coming out is not on the same level as AJ Styles, but yeah. that is that is something that you shouldn't have. If yeah, you're going to do it, you shouldn't have missed it. Yeah, it's a moment. And I feel like even if that was an excuse, that's a whack excuse because NXT, they they shoot wider shots when people come out. So they, they get all of the entrance. So that would be a lame excuse. Uh, yeah, I never really did buy that excuse. And I, it always did kind of bother me that we hear the music, we see Roman's reactions like, who is this? Who is it? We hear the crowd, and then all of a sudden we see AJ, but we didn't get the the reveal we were supposed to get. Yeah, so you have to go online to like the YouTube page to see like the actual the part what of what we should have gotten. Yeah. <laughs> so, but and I f- I also found like there was a uh, like a uh, pictures of like all the big guys like the Big Show, Big mm-hmm. E, and uh, that they like had like a guy like on a like a little truck like yeah. driving them down. I did see that, and actually I was curious if that was real or if that was something somebody did like with Photoshop. That was actually real that they were on those little scooters or whatever. Yeah, I believe so, because it took them a while to get down to the ring, so. That was a long ramp. Yeah, it was super long, and I was surprised. I was like, 
I, I haven't seen a lot. Uh, I mean, usually the ramps are that long, like, like WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So, like, it took them a, a while to get down there. So yeah, That's a long ramp for a Royal Rumble. Hopefully they learn their lesson from that. Yeah, and I was just like, that's like that's an injury risk in itself, because that's a lot of running down to the ring. Like, Yeah, like, you, you think Cena's whole thing is that he does the salute, he throws the towel, he sprints down to the ring, and that was, that was almost like a full 100-meter sprint. Yeah, you're you're already tired, like getting in the (laughs) ring. So imagine if Shawn Michaels would have had to take that walk, he would he would have passed out like halfway through. (laughs) You're right. Now, one thing I had a problem with was the idea that they kept playing up the idea of all these big, monstrous guys facing off, and they weren't all in the ring together. Yeah, it was it, it was pointless. Like you guys really were trying to sell these points. And, like, they fell flat when it came to time because, you know, Braun was out of the ring before Taker and Lesnar and all these guys got in the ring. And and Corbin put him out. Mm -hmm. So, and their whole bit with him was him and Big Show. And then, you know, Corbin puts him out. And then, you know, you got the three guys that you've been marketing and, like, they put each other out. And it it wasn't even, like, you know... So, I mean, obviously it wasn't convincing because I, I just don't buy Goldberg doing anything physical against Brock Lesnar and actually being real. Right. So. Well, that leads me so, to the other issue I had, though, was that Lesnar lost to him 12 years ago. Lesnar got killed by him in less than 90 seconds at Survivor Series. This was supposed to be him getting his revenge on Goldberg. And he just got handled like he was nothing once again. Yeah, I'm. I'm just. I'm an adult, so I just can't buy it. Like, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a grown person. Like, I cannot. Like, with I just can't. I can't buy this. Like, I just can't. Like, you expect me to believe like someone who is a suplex machine has beaten everyone is a legit wrestler, a legit mixed martial artist mm-hmm. is losing to this old person who can't wrestle a door, and. He just he could just beat Brock Lesnar like I, I don't see it like I can't believe that I just can't buy it I can't so and and they're going with it and I mean Lesnar's selling it I don't know how much they're paying him to sell it but he's <laughs> selling it yeah I, mean, I, I, I think that that's like one of my things I feel about Lesnar is he really doesn't care about anything but the paycheck and as long as he's getting paid to do it he's like fine I'll do it um, but I. And now we have to see it again at WrestleMania, and I have no desire to see it anymore. But I find it corny because you're you're doing it for Goldberg, but you couldn't do it for Ambrose. Well, that that's another that's another story for another day because I I was very upset with that. I felt like you had built Lesnar up to this point so that when somebody finally did, you know, put that notch in their belt by beating Lesnar, that it meant a lot and it like catapulted somebody. And instead, you give it to a guy who's fifty years old, who means nothing for the future of your company at all. Like it's a it's a very short short term gain if you're even gaining anything, and you yeah, just, cause, cause, you just blew something that was very important. Yeah, because two K seventeen is out. Like it's been marketed. It's it's out. We don't need it anymore. Like you, we obviously know that this was a marketing tool. Great, but it's it, the game's out. It's sold. We don't need him doing things anymore like he can go now do you know anybody who is either a casual wrestling fan or a former wrestling fan 
who had started to tune back in because Goldberg came back? No. All right, th- that kind of answers my question because I don't know anybody <laughs> no. either. <laughs> no. <laughs> and to me, that was like the one upside is you might for like six months get guys who used to watch resume go, oh, Goldberg's back, let me start watching. And yeah, they, and I used maybe to be a Goldberg fan, but then once you, you know, you grow up and you see the, the realness behind that he couldn't wrestle and that, you know, pretty much fluff, you kind of, you you know, you lose your love for for, for what, what, what kind of happened, what he was doing, because just like, you know, you know that it was, it was you know, fake and it was fluffed up. Mm-hmm. Now, do you agree with Alo's um, thought that the match would have played out better had Lesnar come in at 15 instead of, what, 22 or 26 whenever he came in? Yes, but I feel like it would have it would have killed a lot of this, the storytelling that they were doing with those other characters in the match at that time, and it would have killed Ron's uh, little run that he had. So you think ultimately it was for the greater good that they waited as long as they did with him? Um, yeah, um... I mean, would I have liked to see him coming earlier? Yeah, but knowing how, I mean, knowing that we know it now, um, it would have it would have killed a lot of the the other stories that they were telling through the match at the point before he came in. Okay, and your thoughts when slot number thirty was coming out and Roman Reigns music hit? Uh, I mean, I've seen videos of people's reactions, <laughs> and they were definitely a lot more pissed off than I was. <laughs> Um, so, and there were some funny ones out there, but, um, I just felt like, like, like not only do you give us half the roster that we already know is going to be in it, mm-hmm. you didn't reiterate Roman. Why didn't you bring AJ out? Like, right. <laughs> right. I mean, clearly the better choice in my opinion, but I mean, I just feel like, I don't know, like it's, it's, they're just adamant about pushing Roman, like. And it's just like at every extent, like they just they're just adamant about pushing him. So uh, I wasn't completely mad at it, but I was just like uh, there was like so many more people that you could have put. Uh, I was really me personally, I was expecting Joe, but um, so was I. Or hoping for Joe, and you know WWE's like, oh, we could give him to you, but we're not. We're gonna give you Roman. Right. So it's just like you're not really helping this guy, like. At this point, like, and it's like, it's and it's sad because like he's a he's a he's can go like he's a good wrestler, and it's just like you are you guys are forcing him on us so much. It's just like we're just going to continue to rebel, except for like women and children. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that was I was upset about it when it happened, and then after I thought about it that night, I was like, well, you know what? He did come down. Like we were hoping for someone else. We got him. But he did lose in, like, five minutes or less. It's not like he came in there and cleaned house and dominated. He ultimately was out of there within five minutes. Well, um, not only did he do that, you didn't eliminate the Undertaker, who was, like, probably the most over person in the ring at that point. He was, but that sets up the possibility. The match, but it, it does nothing for Roman because they're going to hate him. You might as well throw Daniel Bryan in there again. I'm gonna throw him out as well. <laughs> now, are you of the school that you think they're not going to turn him heel? No, they're not. So uh, you don't think so? No, I don't think they're gonna do it. Um, I just don't see him doing it. At least not, not now. Anyways, I don't see him doing it. So, so that was one of my thoughts. Was like, okay, you maybe have set up that story of like, he's got to be the heel against the Undertaker because obviously he's gonna get booed against the Undertaker. He's going to get booed against whoever he's against uh, at 
at WrestleMania. So I thought maybe they're planting the seeds for that. So it doesn't make sense if they don't do that. Um, but then I was thinking, I was like, you're doing him no favors by at sending all. him out there right now. If you sent AJ out there, that place would have erupted in cheer. Yeah, I wouldn't want. Yeah, because it's just like it would make sense too. Like I, I just lost to John. Like I'm getting back. I'm going to WrestleMania. Like you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. I, and I think it. I don't know. It's just. It's. It's just. It's funny because like it's the people that they're trying to cram down our throat. We hate, but the ones that they haven't, we love them. So it's just like, and you know, the only like legit people that like they hate that we're supposed to hate is like Charlotte and the Miz. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly true. Most of the heels get cheered for the most part. Um, do you have any other thoughts on, on uh, the Rumble pay-per-view or the Rumble match? Um, I'm, I, I mean, I, I thought Gallagher's spot was great. I just wish there were more cruiserweights. Um, I was displeased, a little displeased with Cesaro, Sheamus, and, and Reigns being in there, being that they've already had matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, you know, they could have filled in some other talent there. Um yeah, the, the the whole Brock Goldberg thing is and and Taker that whole promotion was useless because they were in the match for like five minutes. Mm-hmm. And you know, I and the Miz he took a lot of people's moves. Like he <laughs> took a lot of people's moves. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's because they they know he could sell them. And you know, so and I commend Jericho just you know being in there the sixty one minute man. So. Yeah, <laughs> I love that he's pushing that too. The sixty-one minute man—that's a great, a great yeah. new thing. I hope he keeps it up for a while. And even the fact of you know, I was I, was, I wrestled for like sixty-one minutes last. <laughs> night. And and the fun the the funny part is the the, the when he got out of the ring when Strowman came, I knew he was going to do it because he was just like, all right, what am I going to do? <laughs> and it's immediately his get in the ring, he just rolls right out, and then like he goes over there by the commentary table. And they're like, you know, Braun Strowman just gets in the ring and Chris Jericho's over here by <laughs> us. And you can hear Jericho on the mic go, he's big. <laughs> so, Other and then he I... was actually, Braun was the one getting eliminated when Jericho looked up and he was like on the ground near the referees. Like, yeah, Braun I love eliminated. that. You can see his head peeking up from the side of the ring. I thought that was awesome. Um, so overall, though, you enjoyed the, the Rumble pay-per-view for the most part. Uh yeah, I, good show. I, to start I thought, the year. yeah, after after pondering on it a little bit, I, I I would say I enjoyed it more than I hated it. All right, well that that's good. That's a good way to start the year. Um, take over San Antonio. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time on this. This um, is the birthday show. Yeah, <laughs> whose birthday? Mine's. Mine's. Oh, birthday. happy birthday! I don't know if I knew it was your birthday. Did I wish you a happy birthday? Yeah, you did. Okay, good. Wow, I really do forget everything. It's a joke we have on the show, but I really do forget everything. Well, happy birthday yeah. again. Um, you gotta lay off the beer, Ron. <laughs> I do. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Um, you're you're the only one out of us who's been on the show who has been watching NXT uninterrupted all this time. Um, did you feel like Takeover San Antonio delivered? Um, I feel like it's it, it it's probably been the least one that i've liked out of all of the nxts do you think that was more match quality more star power what do you what do you think you attribute that to that it, it was lowest on your scale so far well the biggest part of the night obviously is seth coming mm-hmm. there and you know doing the bit that he did um and i just feel like some of i mean it was it was good but i just feel like the way that some some of the matches went is what kind of deterred it from being uh really really great for me um 
and like I said, we'll, we'll like you said, we'll just go through it quickly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they started with Eric Young and Ty Dillinger, which I get. Ty Dillinger is the you know the 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 person that uh, that uh, you know started off and pump it up. But I felt like the the Almas and Roderick Strong should have went first, mm-hmm. um, just because naturally they always put like the you know the lesser match first. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> I liked the Eric Young and Ty Dillinger match. It was a great match, especially for Eric Young to go over. But um, you know, if they're, if they're going to keep Ty down there, then obviously this is going to be a few where Ty needs to come out on top at the end. That's just, just uh, at least how I feel. Like, we know he's the glorified jobber, but, you know, you guys have, you know, jobbed him out so much that the people love him, so he needs to get his comeuppance mm-hmm. um, in this. And it's not going to, you know, do anything bad for, for Sanity because they're building them, them up perfectly, and I think it'll be fine. Could you see them having him briefly join them at some point? Like he's no, a he's a broken was, man and he's actually thinking, okay, maybe I do need a change. No, it's, I don't think they're gonna do that. It wouldn't fit his it wouldn't fit his character. It wouldn't fit him at all. So I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, I think it's just you know a storyline because I think they were bringing in uh, Damo, who they they've changed his name to killing killing something now. Yeah. Um, and um, I just think it was it was just you know his his storyline for for that. Um, and I thought it was actually going to be his go-away match, but I, I guess we won't know until, you know, we, we see what they do. Um, have they <clears> taped <throat> anything yet that you're aware of or no? Um, I haven't watched uh, this week's NXT, um, but I think from what I read online that he's still involved with them, so I don't know. We'll see when I watch it. I'll watch it tonight, I think. <clears throat> so we'll know uh, – either tonight or uh, within the next couple of weeks of what they're going to do with Dillinger. Because typically after pay-per-views, they just kind of give us stuff that they film during that week or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> so we'll see. Um, but I don't know. Well, I think they should send Dillinger to SmackDown, though, if they do bring him up. I agree. I think SmackDown, honestly, almost anybody who's on NXT, I feel like I hope you go to SmackDown. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wish Joe would have went to SmackDown. But, I mean, the way that they're going to use him. I think would be useful on Raw. So, have have we gotten any official word about Seth's injury yet? Uh, well, all I, only thing I know is that he walked out on crutches on Monday night. So, um, I haven't looked into anything else about um, his injury. But you know, that's another thing where we'll see. Hopefully, he doesn't. And I think it like him getting hurt. It just it makes it even more, you know, weird now that he wasn't at Rumble. Because yeah. it's like, you know, if he got hurt on Raw, then we didn't see him at the last major pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So, that's, you know, it kind of sucks. And I, that's another person I feel like could have been number 30. And yeah. It would have it would have made sense. And I really was – I think that's the person I was pulling for most to be in the Rumble and win it somehow. Me but, too. You know. And, and I also thought the whole idea of banning him from the arena that night meant, okay, he's going to play a big part tonight, ultimately. Like, that's usually the way it works. Yeah, that made sense after afterwards being that he wasn't on the paper view to say, Oh, he was banned and it, it made sense of everything. But I that kinda was who I was most hoping it would be. Because I just feel like he needs to he needs to start getting some vi- victories along the way here. Like it can't just always be him getting squashed down. He eventually needs to get some pick up some wins along the way. Um but we had Andrade Cien Almas, Roderick Strong. Two people who do nothing for me. See, I... Well, I, I, Andrade does nothing for me because 
the way that they're making him look, the whole coming out. One, I hate fedoras. Mm -hmm. So, and he has, (laughs) he wears fedoras and blazers and, you know, and it's like, he doesn't need that. Just have him come out or like, he's a heel, like make him wear something more like, you know, not this stuff. Like this stuff is like really corny. It's really cheesy. Mm -hmm. And that's more so what sours him for me. Like, because I feel like they could have another Del Rio in him, like just a guy who's just like nasty and just speaks Spanish and it's hilarious. Right. Not because speaking Spanish is hilarious, but you know, it, you <laughs> no, I know it what you mean. So, um, but I just feel like you know, it was it was an okay match. I feel like it should have been first, and it didn't do a whole lot. And like, I feel like the same about Roderick Strong. Like when I seen him on the indie circuit, it was just like, yeah, like he he's he's a good wrestler, but he, you know, nothing. He doesn't do anything for me in particular. So it was just a match where like I didn't really pay it a whole lot of attention. Yeah, he's a guy I look at like yeah, he's just a wrestler. Like yeah, he's good in the ring, but like you said, he there's nothing. Um, there's nothing like pushing him over the top for me. There's nothing that I can like sink my teeth into with him. It's just like okay, yeah, he's a wrestler. That's about it. Um, yeah, I didn't have too much to really say about that that match either. It just kind of was a match. I agree. I thought it should have gone on first. I get you wanting to bring Ty out to get the crowd hot, but then the crowd is just done. By the you know that match goes on second, and that takes the crowd right back out of it. Yeah. Um, Authors of Pain and DIY. DIY have had some of the best matches in NXT for the past, what, six, eight months? Um, What did you think of this one? Because, I I mean, they really have put themselves in a position where it's really hard to keep living up to their last match. Did you think that this was a good match, or did you think that this one fell short of where they typically end up? Uh, I think it was a good match. Um, You definitely seen more stuff out of uh, AOP. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think was good because, you know, obviously they're just, you know, two big, strong guys. But I think they showed a little bit more of their repertoire in this in this match. Mm-hmm. Um, the the suplexing from Chiampa was just great. Like, you know, <laughs> and lifting up those those big guys like yeah. that and suplexing was amazing. Um, I'm, I'm tired of seeing Gargano get beat up, though. I'm tired of seeing, you know, Ciampa being the one that always gets the hot tag. Right. Um, even though that's kind of, I guess, like, just Gargano's thing. Like, he's the, the, the guy who gets beat up and looks, you know, useless and hopeless and, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, you know, I mean, I feel like the match was pretty predictable. I don't, I don't feel like they built uh, Arthur Japan up just to lose the titles at this point or to come to, a, to, come to this match and lose. So I just, you know, it, it was what it was for the most part. Like, I wasn't upset about it. I wasn't happy about it. It's kind of like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Do you think that they now have a dominant run with these tag titles? Uh, Yeah, because, I mean, my my personal favorite tag team besides the Revival NXT is, is TM61. And, you know, with one of them being hurt, they're not going to be around for a while. Right. So if they send a revival up, there's no one besides Gargano and Ciampa in the division. I mean, there there are, but there's no one that they've really built up besides Sanity. So. Right. <laughs> now, yeah, because to me it's a waste if you have the Authors of Pain. You've built them up the way you did. You have them win the, the tag titles. Uh, this was their first opportunity, correct? Yeah. Um, I think you need to let them dominate. Like, that's what they are, is that big dominant force of a tag team similar to like a Legion of Doom, obviously, or Demolition. Do you see like a, a future for these guys, or do you think these are guys who top out in NXT? No, Vince. Vince is he's chomping at the bit for them to come to the main roster. I know it. So <laughs> they're 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 definitely gonna 
up to the main roster. And the the funny thing is, it, depending on how long Triple H can keep them, mm-hmm. it's pretty much the, the timetable of it right now, which is how long before Vince says, give me those two guys. I want them. <laughs> so you think Triple H is holding on to them for dear life at this point? Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure Vince probably wanted them from the get-go, but, you know, you got to build people up. And, you know, the best way to do it is, you know, send them through that and then at some point bring them up. So I don't know how they're going to bring them up, but, you know, or how long it's going to be before they get brought up, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I do think that they have a a very, possibly a very bright future ahead of them. Um, the women's match. I know you are lower on Billy Kay and Peyton Royce than we are on the show. I'm assuming you love Nikki Cross as much as we love her on the show. And Asuka obviously is Asuka. Um, I actually did really like this match. Um, It wasn't perfect, but there were things about it I really liked. Where where did you fall on the women's championship match, the Fatal 4-Way? Um... I expected it to be longer, mm-hmm. um, and I expected Nikki Cross to get up from the table and interfere again at some point, which mm-hmm. is why I expected it to be longer. Um, the the whole Billy Kay and Payne Royce working together thing, I thought that was really good, um, even though I don't like them. <laughs> um, I felt that was I felt like that was a good thing for them working together and you know trying to put those two out, and I feel like it helps build the 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 match between Nikki Cross and Oscar more whenever that happens. Um, just kind of because it obviously looks like, okay, these two are really the threats here, so we need to take them out separately. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was good. Um, the double suplex spot from Oscar was definitely great. <laughs> um, the table spot, you know, it, was def- it wasn't that the tape, that table spot wasn't even a big moment for that match. That was a big moment for that women's division and NXT right now, because there's nothing, that has really been a big pop for that division for a while now. Yeah. So I feel like that wasn't just even a big spot for that match. That was just a big spot for that division mm-hmm. just, you know, for them to put her through the table and, you know, give it, give give it something, give it some pop because I mean, there's obviously contenders right now, but there's nothing like super big. And I feel like that was just a big moment for the division. Um, um, me personally, I, w- I, I want to see Ember Moon, Nikki Cross, Asuka in a match, or mm-hmm. you know the latter of whichever two. Um, but that's just me throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I just expected a longer match, and you know, but it, it was good for what it was. Um, and the main event: Bobby Roode challenging Shinsuke Nakamura for the NXT Championship. Um, I thought this match was really good. Um, I thought that they were smart the way they played it as far as Nakamura dropping the title. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to be gone from NXT, but yeah, what were your thoughts on this match? Um, I feel like the entrances were good, but they've had better entrances. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's funny because <laughs> they're like the only two where it's just like, I expect a lot of, out of these entrances. <laughs> um, so they were, I mean, they were good, but I just expected more. Um, um, I feel like they played up the injury a little too much, but I mean, it made sense because of the title change. 
Um, and I feel like this is the most that we've gotten out of Bobby Roode since he's been there. Like, we, uh, you know, um, I feel like they've allowed his character to come out a little bit more in this match. To this, you know, the desperacity of just, you know, even that, if that's a word, I'm tired. Yeah. So if that's not a word, then, you know. <laughs> then you just coined a new don't. one. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, there you go. So. <laughs> Sexy desperado. <laughs> no, um, um, I just I know I messed it up there, but anyway, um, I feel like it was good enough. Yeah, I, I definitely know that this is the most that we've gotten out of Bobby Roode since he's been there. This is the most that we've really seen his character as far as in ring. Um, so um, yeah, and I, I like at the end of the day, like it's a good match. I was entertained by it, so I won't take anything from it other than the entrances could have been better. And, um, you know, if it, depending on what they do with Nakamura's injury status, mm-hmm. then, you know, then that will, you know, go whether if they, whether they played up the injury too much or it, it was actually good because it led to something. Right. And hopefully it does lead to something. Now, there's always some debate on these big WWE weekends as to who won the weekend, WWE or NXT. Who won Royal Rumble weekend? WWE definitely won this weekend. Uh, I agree completely. Now, I know you wanted to get into some UFC. We could transition to that right now if you're ready. Yep. All right. So we had UFC fight night in Denver. Obviously, the altitude was very much talked about leading up to the show and on the show. Um, do you feel Do you feel that, that the, the altitude played a role in any of these fights? No, I think everyone um, uh, acclimated themselves to the, atti- the altitude uh, pretty well. You didn't really see anyone gassing from it. Um, and I feel like a lot of these fights, they didn't last long for it, like, you know, mm-hmm. that to play a factor. Because a lot of these fights, like, ended pretty quickly. And I wish, like, some of the, the, the bigger car fights ended quickly instead of going <laughs> on to, like, one in the morning. So <laughs> I feel... So there is, and we'll get to it when we get to this match, there was one fight in particular where I think it may have played a role. But do you think if altitude is that big of a deal, should they be having these fights in Denver? Well, I think the two the, the two places where, like, it's always, like, people talk it up is, and I don't even know if they've had, I don't remember other ones that I've seen, particularly from mm-hmm. Denver. But Mexico is definitely they definitely talk about it when they fight in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico it, it, City. It, yeah, it always plays itself out. Like mm-hmm. um even the Cain Blasquez, that's how mm-hmm. he lost uh one of his fights fighting there because he he wasn't there long enough to get mm-hmm. acclimated to it and he got gassed. Um so it it, it definitely plays a big part um as far as um these fights because if you're not there long enough to get used to it, when you fight you're gonna get winded super fast. Right. So, um, and uh, and like I said, like in this, in these fights, you didn't really see it much because they didn't last very long to, to you know test the endurance of, yeah. of of most of the fighters. My feeling is, if high altitude is that big of an issue, which obviously you hear anytime something is done in high altitude, whether it's hockey or basketball or football or whatever, baseball. I feel like fighting is very different from those sports where you could really get hurt if you physically can't. You physically can't function. You could actually get really hurt in an MMA fight. Mm-hmm. I, if, if it's that much of an issue, I feel like they should almost just avoid these cities altogether. Um, uh, well, I, I don't. It depends because 
you know, they they have people fighting from all over the world. So, you know, they're going to, you know, if they can't get to these countries or these places, they're going to go to those places because they're going to be able to make money in those markets off of the people that are from those places. That's true. I'm definitely not looking at it as much from a business standpoint. I'm looking at it more of like a, the human standpoint. I mean, I get why they go to these places. I just think it's, it's dangerous to do. But um, Jason Knight beat Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. I actually am a big fan of Bruce Leroy. I think he's fun to watch. I was disappointed to see him lose. Um, I had never seen Jason Knight before. Um, yeah, I've never seen him before either. Impressed with his performance, though? Uh, yeah, he, he obviously can take some punishment. He um, He's definitely a very patient fighter. Um, I felt like Caceres was a little, he was a little overly cocky, and I felt like he kind of, um, he underestimated Knight mm-hmm. a lot. And um, after that first round, I feel like he got woken up about, you know, who Knight was and what he was capable of doing. So, yeah. like, you've seen a lot less cockiness in the second round. Um, he's, he actually took it a little bit more serious. I feel like he just thought he was going to dust Knight off and then not be at. But um, just um, seeing Knight, uh, he, put, he definitely was putting a lot of pressure on him um, mm-hmm. in the middle of round one and in and, and the end of it. And um, he, his takes down, they, they were, like, super easy. Like, he, he was taking him down with, like, much effort at all yeah um he and he just continued to pressure like um throughout the the remainder of the fight i mean he definitely had a great body lock on him Mm -hmm. he was not getting out of that um so um and it you know he stayed with it long enough that he he ended up getting the rear naked choke so um you know he definitely he was he's definitely just a dog in there and he, he wanted it more he took it more seriously in my opinion yeah now one of the things so i was huge into you know, UFC and Pride, like, 2004, 2005, 2006, 7, like, those years were when I was the mo- absolute most interested in it. And it's funny, it's almost like now I got to a point where I was with wrestling in, like, 2005, 2006, where I was like, oh, you know what, John Cena, Randy Orton, like, all these guys, Batista, they're not Stone Cold, they're not The Rock, they're not HBK, the next generation of wrestling sucks. And I eventually tuned out of it for six or seven years. I feel mm-hmm. like I did that with UFC, where it was like, you know, my guys were like BJ Penn. Um, I was a big Rampage Jackson guy. Uh, I liked watching Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva, like all those guys who were like the last generation. I feel like I eventually kind of tuned out a little bit. And I'm starting to get back into it. A big part of that is Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. And it's like watching it now, you see just how much the sport has evolved. Because I remember back then, once a rear naked choke choke was sunk in, the fight was over. Yeah. And now you see guys fight out of a rear naked choke like multiple times. Yeah. Like Bruce Leroy got out of a choke I think three times before he finally did get tapped out. Yeah, he was he was struggling. He was he was scrapping to stay out of it. So, and I give him that. Yeah. Now I don't know. Obviously what the future holds for, for Caceres. I don't know how good Jason Knight is. Like you said, you felt like uh, Caceres might've taken him a little bit lightly. Is Jason Knight for real? Do you think, or do you need to see more before you make that, that assumption? I think he's the, he's definitely the real deal. Um, I don't know who they're going to put him against next, but um, I definitely, you know, he's definitely on the radar now. I feel like, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely an underdog, you know, and, he definitely has some some fight in him, some dog in him. So mm-hmm. um, he's definitely going to continue on as long as he continues to fight like that and win. 
Yeah. Now, second fight, we had a heavyweight fight. Uh, an old favorite, Andre Arlovsky, against Francis Ngannou. Now, Arlovsky is a guy I remember watching also back in the day. He was like one of those holdover guys from back when I was really avid into UFC. And he kind of, his career fell off. He went and trained with Greg Jackson and Winkle John and reinvented his career for a while. And he actually gave me hope that BJ Penn would be able to turn it around. Um, That did not work well. Did not work well um, at all. Uh, It actually makes me question how hard did they really train BJ and how dedicated was BJ to training with them? Although I think... (laughs) As I said before, the evolution of the sport, BJ Penn fought nothing but the greatest fighters. Like, he did not fight regular guys. He fought champions for 10 years, exclusively championship-level fighters. That was a a guy that he was in there with that was like nothing he had ever seen before. Yeah, Yair Rodriguez was just a completely different breed of fighter and... Yeah, you know I mean it's it's and I, I've been saying this for a while, especially on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, talking with another uh, friend in the community about it, um, who's also getting back into it. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a changing of the guard. So a lot of these old guys that are trying to come back and fighting, like they're taking L's, like, and it's not even because that they are. It's just like the game has evolved so much. They're so you know even like the way dudes are dropping weight now, like they're doing it differently. Like they're mm-hmm. you know, and then the weight classes they play their own thing and. You know these dudes are young, like they're 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 young and they're they're hungry. So like you know, it's it's not the same game anymore as as it was you know years ago when you know it was um, at its first uh, reign of prominence. So a lot of those old dudes are coming back and they're getting whooped because it's just it's evolved so much. Like it's not the same game anymore for them. Yeah, when BJ Penn started and when he was like you know the the number one pound for pound fighter in the world in the mid two thousands, he was a he was great at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He was a world champion. And he had very good boxing. And he could wrestle a little bit. But he was great because he was great at two skills, two disciplines. Now these guys are great at everything. Like, obviously, you have they have their strong points and their weak points. But these guys are well-versed in every discipline. On the feet, on the ground, they can fight off their back. They can fight off the top. They can fight along the cage. They can wrestle. It, it's totally different. Like, it is... Fighting is such a lifestyle that if you take any time off, I feel like you just get passed by immediately. Yeah. Like these Especially guys if you are, don't keep up with your training. Yeah, you're, yeah you're, like these guys are improving literally daily. And if you take three months off, you got to work that much harder just to keep up, let alone stay ahead. Um, now, Arlovsky was always one of my favorites. And I don't know if, I don't know if you noticed this or not. I felt like his... I don't know if it was his game plan, but the way he fought, he was, like, lunging and reaching a lot. Like, he didn't Yeah, he like, was trying to get it over. Yeah, like, he he wasn't set in his base. He wasn't crouched in his stance at all. He was leaning forward, just kind of throwing his arms out there. And that's ultimately what got him caught, was that he just he wasn't on balance at all. At what point yeah. did, did, I mean, I kind of knew within uh, uh, 35 seconds that he was going to get knocked out. Did, did you see it that early or not necessarily? I was hoping that wasn't the case, but <laughs> after, like, the first couple of minutes, like, or seconds seeing him, like, what he was doing, I was like, this might not end well for him. Because he, <laughs> he was just trying to flurry too much. He was trying to mix it up too much. 
And I'm just like, like this dude is like, uh, you know, in Ghana, like he's not the person that you you should just be sitting there and just you know trying to flurry with. <laughs> and he was just continuously doing it and just throwing himself out there. And I'm just like, like you're gonna get caught on the chin, you know. And lo and behold, like he did, he got caught on the chin, and, and it was over very quickly for the most part. It was a wrap. What was it like a minute and thirty two or something like that? Yeah, it, it did not last very long, and it's just like because he he just kept doing that, like so. Yeah, well, the, the first fight on the main card, like we just said, ended in the second round. Second fight ended within two minutes, under two minutes. Third fight of the night, crowd favorite Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Jorge Masvidal. I don't know if I had ever seen Masvidal fight before. I had definitely seen his name around. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cerrone obviously had been on a tear at welterweight. They were even talking about him making a run at the welterweight title. And... Jorge Masvidal put an end to that pretty quick. Another second round finish. Um, how surprised were you by this by this fight? Um, a little surprised because you know I me. Mean? I, I think everyone. I think Cerrone was probably the favorite mm-hmm. by a lot of people um, in that fight. But I mean, I don't know. Like I feel like. I mean, Masvidal was just hungry. I mean, Cerrone had a game plan. Obviously, he was doing a lot of the leg kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he, he, Masvidal just, he, he caught him, uh, with, with, with a mean punch. Um, and you know, dropped him. (laughs) Yeah. Dropped him. And, you know, it pretty much looked like the fight was over at the end of the round, but you know, it got stopped Mm -hmm. and, um, he just like never really recovered from that. Like, like going into the second round, like it looked like he was okay, but then like as he started moving around, just like he's not, like he's not fully recovered from that punch. Like he's still feeling that. Like and yeah. it, it showed, like it showed because it, it didn't last very much longer in that second round. Like he got hit with that that punch and it like he never really recovered from it. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought you brought that point up that uh because he went to his corner and when they were talking to him, just something about the look on his face I felt like I don't know if he even wants to still be in there. Like there was yeah. just something about the way he looked that just didn't look right to me. Yeah, he he definitely like looked like he was out of it and he was out of his element. He was just like you know like he was trying to sell like he was okay and it was just yeah. like he clearly isn't. Yeah, they, it even looked like his corner kind of knew it because his corner said we need head movement and he didn't react to it and. I don't know who his coach was that was talking to him at the time, but he asked him again. He said, what did I just say? And he said, oh, head movement. Yeah. I I learned the hard way to to not, like, listen to the corner stuff so much. There was a fight. I watched a fight, like, sometime last year. Or it might have been a year before last. I think it was a boxing fight. Mm -hmm. And the dude was like, he hit me. Yeah. It hurt, and, and the trainer said, "I know." And I was like, "This fight is over." Like, if you tell your trainer, like somebody hits you and it hurt, and he says, "I know," and that's yeah. the only advice he has for you. Like, this is over. Yeah. So, to, to me, when he said that, though, it was like I was like, I think this, I think his corner doesn't doesn't think he's all there. He and, wasn't. Man. Yeah, and then even the doctor said to him, "Like, are you okay? Like, are you okay to go?" And he said, "Yeah." And then he came out, and he was standing straight up. Um, like, he just left himself open for an attack. And you could tell a lot of – because I felt like it got stopped pretty quick. Like, he got dropped again and stood up. 
but the ref stopped it on like a couple body shots. And yeah, because he was gonna <clears throat> he was gonna get him like because because uh, he was it was just a deflection like mm-hmm. go to the body he's gonna start blocking the body then he's gonna go right back to his head so it would it would just it would have ended even worse like because he would have just hit him in the head again. <clears throat> yeah, like he just looked like he did. and I remember Joe Rogan. It was um and I don't know if you ever saw this fight BJ Penn against Diego Sanchez. No. Okay, so it was for the lightweight championship. I think it was two thousand nine or ten. Um, Diego had had a couple successful fights at one fifty five. He was looking like like a killer at one fifty five, and BJ just crushed him. But their first exchange, BJ caught him with an uppercut that dropped him, and BJ had his back for a while and was just landing shot after shot on him. And I remember Joe Rogan saying. A lot of times when you get rocked like that and you're like out for a second, even if you come too quick enough to not be knocked out, your central nervous system like sometimes doesn't recover from it. Yeah, it's still shot. Yeah, and that like that's what that looked like to me. Like he just his body was not capable of doing what his mind was telling him to do. So yeah. I was glad that it got stopped as quick as it did, but you it was telling that he didn't argue at all when it got stopped because a lot of these guys will argue it. He just accepted, like, okay, yeah, this fight should be over. Yeah. Um, now, Masvidal, unfortunately, is a 32-year-old guy. It's not like he's some young up-and-coming prospect. Um, they were talking about him jumping into the top five in the rankings. Is this a guy that you – you could you see him challenging for the welterweight title, or he's just kind of a, a guy? I think if he – if he uh, depending on who he fights next, I think if he wins again and he continues to, you know, to uh, – you know, talk the way that he was talking for the Serrano mm-hmm. fight and things like that. I think he'll eventually get to a title shot. Yeah, um, but and I think who has the title right now? Uh, Woodley. Uh, Woodley. Mm-hmm. Woodley. Yeah. Um, I mean those those two guys right now, Woodley and Wonderboy, which is coming up. I think uh, March or April. I think it's April. No, maybe March. I don't remember. But um, you know, those two guys at the top of the mountain, like that. That's no easy feat. That's no easy win. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like you know. Um, Whichever one of those, if he does get the title shot, whoever he has to fight, he's going to have a rough time because, you know, those two dudes, like, they're they're legit fighters. And I'm not a big Woodley fan, but, mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I've seen him fight, and it's like he's no he's no pushover. He's no easy guy. He's definitely, you know, no Donald Cerrone. He's, he's, he's the real deal. Not to say that Donald Cerrone isn't, but he's just more physical. Yeah, I don't so think Donald Cerrone's not the real deal, but I don't think he's a real welterweight. Yeah, he's he, and, he, and and you know he's not as physical as a lot of like you know as a as a Thompson or a Woodley. Mm-hmm. He's a guy where where like he just doesn't have the size for that division. I don't think or the strength for that division. I don't know. Yeah. I I like I never saw him as a legitimate threat to the t- absolute top welterweights. I felt like his division should have been lightweight, one fifty five. Now I know he lost to Nate Diaz at 155 but um nate is a big 155 pounder it's not like nate is your classic you know five foot eight five foot nine 55 or he's six foot and he fights at welterweight so i i think he's better served to stay at 155 um do you think he'd move back down after this performance you think he thinks he's still got a shot to make a run at 170 um, I don't know. I feel like he's going to definitely re- reevaluate at this time. Um, <clears throat> I thought I'd seen that he was actually going to be on another card at some point. but um, Really already? I don't know. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, but I could be wrong. I think I might have just been reading a weird website. But um, <laughs> but I don't know. I think at this point he's he's gonna you know, I think he's probably still gonna fight. I think he still has fight in him. But <clears throat> I think he needs to um, reassess some things and you know, feel uh, find out where he where he may be most um, successful at this point. Because, you know, I mean, he's no spring chicken either. Yeah, it's funny. He's from Colorado, and that was like WWE booking where he lost in his hometown. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Main event of the evening, we had a women's fight. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko against the Venezuelan vixen, Juliana Pena. I have thought for a long time that Juliana Pena could be a superstar. Um, she's obviously a very skilled fighter. She won the Ultimate Fighter. They love pushing... People that have won that show or been on that show. Um, I don't really like to, to let looks get involved in it, but she's obviously she's gorgeous. Absolutely. And, yeah, and she's, she's not afraid to speak her mind. Like, she was one of the first people really coming hard at Ronda Rousey. Because um, Ronda disrespected her and her coach, Misha Tate, when they were on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, but she has not been very active. I think this is only like her fourth or fifth fight on the main on, on, on in UFC. Um, I thought she had a good chance of winning this fight if she executed her game plan. I feel like she did execute her game plan, and she just got beat anyway. <laughs> yeah, Shevchenko just waited her out pretty much because um, she definitely was. Ex- she was doing a lot of knees in the clinch. Like she was definitely winning that. Like she had to be winning that match by points mm-hmm. um, up until the point where she lost. Because like she was definitely just you know she was doing the clinch a lot and she was doing a lot of knees. Um, but Shevchenko was just better with it. She was just very patient and got um, the takedown. Um, uh, like within the, uh, I think the first round actually. Yeah, she had, she she had two. two takedowns in the first round. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, Shevchenko was just, you know, very patient with her and, you know, just let her do what she did and was able to, you know, hold out from the from the knees and things like that. And was just able to get takedowns. Um, I think Pena got a takedown, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Shevchenko was just, you know, she was a little bit more scrappier and was able to maneuver around and be patient and, uh you know, she wasn't rushing for anything. She was kind of letting Pena kind of do her game plan and just waiting for the right moment um, and was able to, you know, win the fight, get the arm bar. And that was a very weird arm bar because as soon as she rolled over, I think it's over. Like, it's that, she is not letting go of that arm. Mm-hmm. And it just looked very, very bad. Like, once she, like, you could literally see her elbow extending. Yeah. Um. So, it, you know, she just was patient and waited for the right moment, and it turned out for her. But as far as points, though, Pena was definitely beating her on points up until that point. Yeah, she was controlling the octagon. She had her back up against the fence for the majority of the fight. Um, she was the one who took the fight to the ground in the second round, and she just got caught. Um, so two things. I, I mentioned that I mentioned there was there was one fight that I thought I saw a possibility of the altitude playing a role. Now I know this didn't go deep into the the, the rounds or anything, but Dominic Cruz said something before uh, the main card started that the altitude. He said people always think that. Altitude means you can't catch your breath. But he said, to me, altitude means not enough oxygen is getting to your muscles, and it makes your arms feel really heavy. It makes your legs feel really heavy. You're not loose. And in between the first and second round, Pena told her corner, 
my I shoulder, need, yeah. Yeah, and and so there was that, and I remember making a note of it, like, okay, she's complaining about her shoulder. Um, then after the after the fight, obviously, uh, they interviewed Shevchenko, and she was talking about how she set up the armbar. She said she hit me with a few punches from the top that were very weak, and then I got the armbar in. And she said something like, I felt her arm crack like three different times or something like that. Um, she said she started to defend it, but ultimately I was able to secure it and get the win. So that that was something I was thinking about. Like I was, I remember Dominic Cruz saying that, and I was like, well, maybe that's what happened to her. Maybe her muscles just weren't reacting right, and that's why she couldn't get any steam on her punches from the top. Because that's usually how she beats people, is dropping punches and elbows from the top. Now, obviously, she hasn't said anything about it. She kind of – I actually liked her statement after that. She said, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make every game-winning shot he took. We all lose. I'm just going to get better. So I thought she handled it well. But I just read today that she's now got a six-month um, injury suspension. So I don't know what the injury is, but she's the out. Arm. Of it has to be the arm because, like, that, that extension was pretty, pretty... – it was, it was nasty. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it was definitely bent completely backwards. So yeah, but, she's um, gonna be yeah, on the shelf again for a little bit. I can see Dominic Cruz's point um to that to that because I've done some some uh some boxing mm-hmm. uh training uh lately and some other, you know, jujitsu stuff like that. And, you know, with that stuff you ha- you're constantly moving your arms or or because or not even constantly moving them to the extent, but you're keeping that guard up. So yeah. with keeping your guard up and throwing your hands a bunch to throw punches and things like that, like yeah, your your arms are naturally gonna get tired. So when you have you know, a heavier, uh, heavier, you know, attitude waiting on you, like it's going to tire that out way click quicker. And on top of like, you, you're, pre- you're probably getting uh, winded a lot quicker as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to take a lot out of you. Yeah. So you have to prepare yourself for that. Cause if not, then it's just going to all impale on you at once. Mm. You just reminded me of another, another point. I didn't write this in my notes, but it was a point I wanted to make. You just said you have to prepare for it. I saw the, I guess it was the night of the weigh-ins. Uh, they interviewed her coach on Fox Sports 1 about the altitude, and he said, ah, you're talking to the wrong guy about that. She's just a scrappy fighter, and she'll be fine. So my immediate thought was, well, they dismissed that whole idea that altitude is like a real thing. So that, like, to me, that lends a little bit more possible credence to it. Also the fact that she had her in a clinch for most of the fight, which is taxing the muscles in your arms as well. But the thing I was most impressed with about Shevchenko is the clinch was where she was supposed to be in trouble, and the ground is where she was supposed to be in trouble, and she handled it like a champion. Yeah, she looked the most comfortable in those positions. She did. She was she was clearly the physically stronger fighter. Like, Juliana had a lot of time kind of moving her around the way she wanted to or controlling her body the way she wanted to. Do you Does Shevchenko, she's already lost to Amanda Nunez, does she have any chance to beat her, do you think? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know because I mean, Nunez is obviously riding high for her win off of of Rousey, so I think it all just depends on how she's at this point training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I feel like the way that Shevchenko fought that fight, if she's able to fight that same type of fight again with the patience that she fought that one with, it's a possibility that she could be Nunez. Um, because you know. That patience, it just told a lot as far as this fight. 
um, that she can handle something that people typically, you know, when they're in those positions, they're not comfortable or they're not at their best. And she showed that, you know, she was very comfortable and at her best in those situations. So I think it ought to boil down to how she's evolved since their last fight. Yeah, now she 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 smoked Holly Holm, right? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't see that fight. But and she's fighting again uh, uh, this month. Yeah, that's the next the next pay per view, right? Yeah. So that's what the is that a, are they calling that the featherweight title? Yeah, she's fighting. Uh, what's her name? Durandami. Yeah, Jermaine Durandami or something along those lines. Who I never heard of before. Um, I've heard of her before. I've never seen her fight before. <clears throat> do you have any idea, like, what her claim to fame is? What kind of style she fights, or just that she's just that she's? I think she's German? Brazilian, so I would probably think jujitsu. So she's um, more of a grat, and she that could give Holly some trouble. Yeah. Um, well, it depends because uh, it, it all depends on on Holly, however she's preparing to fight or what type of fight she's doing. Now, if she does this type of fighting that she did against Ronda Rousey, which was a lot of that. Um, uh, straight leg, the forward leg mm-hmm. kick, stopping her from getting in. Then she may, you know, be all right. But it all depends on <clears throat> her game plan and what she does in this fight. Do, are you expecting her to win, or are you kind of you don't you don't know enough about her opponent to really make a prediction? I mean, I'm kind of like upset about this fight because I'm a <laughs> I'm a cyborg fan, uh-huh. and I know like for the longest time, like they it seems like they're just pushing cyborg away and so mm-hmm. like this is pretty much a division where cyborg can run because she won't have to do the crazy weight cuts to fight anymore right. and she ends up getting suspended so I, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of upset about it because i really wanted her to be able to be the one fighting for that and she's not so but um cyborg is great this, by the way like i absolutely. think i think she got lost in the ronda rousey shuffle for a while like with good reason ronda was a legitimate like star but Cyborg is great. She's she's the best uh, female fighter I think I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, I mean it's obvious that they were you know pushing that away as as far as they possibly could because she would have killed Ronda. Like, yeah, I'm kind of glad that fight never happened <laughs> when I had the chance Cause it, to. <laughs> yeah, because it, it would have really looked bad. Like I mean, Holly Holm being there that's bad. Nunez being there that's bad. Cyborg would have been a completely different version of bad that we've probably never seen before. So. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, as far as that fight, I haven't really picked who I think would win it. Um, I mean, I think the favorite because people probably know her more is mm-hmm. probably Holly Holmes. But um, I don't know. Like me personally, I think it all depends on how they promote it. Like, I, like I was like I like Ronda Rousey, but I completely started cheering for Nunez because I felt <laughs> like they, they disrespected her because yeah. they they just you know they didn't really. Um, she's a champ, and they didn't use her like to promote or anything. Like they didn't promote her at all. They were just putting everything on Rousey, and I feel like you know that disrespect definitely motivated her because it's like you know they're writing me off. Like they're not even using me for promotion or anything. And yeah. so you know, Dana's I, still kind of doing that. Actually, he's he's talking he, he's talking more so about um, her uh, possibly retiring, like at this point, or thinking that, that she should retire or she might be retiring. Oh, Ronda, um, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, he they asked him a question about Nunez because she said that um, she basically said she thinks she could hold the 135 and 145-pound titles. Well, he, he, I mean, he basically she, said, ah, pump the brakes. You haven't even defended this one yet. Like, yeah, I feel he's, like he's, he's not – he should be kind of pushing her to the forefront a little more than he is. 
Yeah, she's clearly not the champion that they wanted, you know. So, and you could tell, like, even with that promotion, like, she wasn't promoted at all. So you could clearly tell, like, she's not the champion that they wanted for that title. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, like, you, the person that you wanted to win couldn't get the job done, and she got the job done. So, therefore, you're just going to have to deal because she did her job. She got in, there in, in the octagon, and she beat her. And, you know, <clears throat> that's obviously she's obviously just not who they want. But, you know, there's nothing <laughs> they can really do about it because she's she's the champ, and that's just all there is to it. There's nothing they could do about it. I mean, my guess is probably once Ronda took that beating, my guess is Dana was probably like, okay, well, hopefully Juliana Pena wins this fight and maybe she can knock this girl off. Because that's somebody they, they feel probably more like they could put as the face of their women's 135-pound division. Obviously, she didn't win. Um, now, the thing with Shevchenko is where Ronda would have had the advantage in the clinch and probably on the ground, she couldn't get that close because... She just was so outclassed as far as striking. Shevchenko has enough striking that she can get to those positions, which I think will make that fight very interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Ronda lost because she somehow has in her mind that she's a boxer. Mm-hmm. But that's that's her, really stu- her she... stupid coach has that in her mind. Yeah, and, like, I, I thought it was great, like, after that fight, how, you know, Nunez goes over and gives him the shush. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, you clearly hear him, like, just yelling his lungs out. Like, like, well, who got away? Get out of the way. And, yeah, like, that's like, great know, coaching. And you know it's terrible, like, when you get hit and you're trying to go backwards and you move forward. Yeah. So, it's just, so like, and that was just, like, <laughs> so, I don't know. And I just had a feeling it wasn't going to go the way everybody wanted it to go. Like, I, I, I just, I, like, I wasn't counting Ryan completely out, but I was just, like, I don't think this is going to go the way that everyone wants it to go. Um, in my heart, I was really rooting for her because honestly, I felt really sorry for her after what happened with the Holly Holm fight. Um, cause she got put up on that pedestal and yeah. she got beat by someone who clearly had a game plan to stop her. And it's not like it was some big secret. I remember people talking about after the Betch Cahaya fight when she beat her and whatever it was like 60 seconds, um, she took a lot of clean punches in that fight. She just walked right through them. And Joe Rogan said it. I think I heard uh, Brendan Schaub say it. Like, she's the, the style she's fighting is cause for concern. Like, she's going to get herself beat because that's not her strength. And she fought against Holly Holm, who was a kickboxer, and she just picked her apart. No, Holly Holm was a boxer. Oh, she wasn't a kickboxer? No, she's a boxer, and she's like, she's like, like well, like she's has like many many titles. Like she's a legit boxer. Yeah, and she just stood there and picked picked Ronda apart. Ronda was throwing big looping punches, and Ronda was just hitting her with like clean jabs and straight lefts and counters. And Ronda had well, no answer for it. Yeah, well, what what Holmes was doing was like the kick the the kick to the the, the, the thigh knee area that mm-hmm. she was throwing. You know, if you continue to lunge forward while somebody's throwing that kick at you, like, it, it could, you know, do some damage, like, to your knee. Like, it'll, yeah. you know, collapse your knee. Yeah. So, you know, then as she was doing that, she's keeping Rhonda out. And Rhonda's like, she she wants to do the hip toss. She wants to get in and do the stuff like that. So if she can't get in and do that, and then she's, still, then she's sitting there and she's trying to, you know, 
to box with someone who's a legit boxer, it's not going to go well for her because that's not what she does. But the fact that, that Holly Holm was just throwing these excellent kicks and they were just landing, like it wasn't helping her either because it was just like they were landing. So it's like she couldn't really get to her to, you know, to do any of the judo throws mm-hmm. or anything like that. And on top of that, she was just throwing these perfect kicks that were just landing. And it wasn't, it was just a bad knife around her because she just couldn't get around anything. She couldn't get to her. Yeah. Now, you actually, that's like a good transition point. Speaking of someone who was more of a grappler and someone who was more of a boxer, uh, Conor McGregor had the audacity to have a pay per view interview with Ariel Helwani uh, in front of a crowd of 5,000 people uh, just to watch him talk for an hour. Um, one of the things that he hammered home as much as possible is the only thing he cares about right now is setting up a fight with Floyd Mayweather. That is his priority. That's what he wants to do. Um, I have been telling people for ever since it even the idea first got floated. One, I don't think that fight will ever happen because I don't think Floyd want, really wants it, and I don't. And Dana White will never let Connor do it. I also thought. I don't want to see it happen because Connor is outclassing MMA guys boxing. But Floyd is solely a boxer who's one of the most skilled boxers in the history of the sport. And I just feel like I don't know if Connor belongs in a boxing ring with this guy. Connor, I'll give him credit, the the pitch man that he is, he started to make me believe maybe he does have a chance. What one, do you think this fight will ever happen? And two, how does that fight go if it ever does? Um, I don't know because I think, yeah, like you were saying, like Conor is a great salesman, and mm-hmm. the way he was talking, he definitely made you believe like this is possible to happen or it's going to happen. <clears throat> um, and I think that's a big question, like for people who do believe it's going to happen. Like, okay, if it happens, how is this going to happen? It's obviously not going to be mixed martial arts. Like, mm-hmm. it's just. It's just obviously not going to be that. Um, but um, if it does happen, I don't know. The way Connor was talking, like he 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 wants you know kind of to be like a partnership type of thing. When he's clearly signed to the UFC, so it all depends on how his contract is. Right. If he's going to be able to you know work outside, do this outside of the UFC, or, or do this with the UFC and get them to 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 cooperate in the way that he wants them to. But I don't think Dan is going to budge on that. And even on the on the on the side of Dana saying, oh, he's going to pay them twenty five million apiece. You're talking to somebody and Floyd Mayweather who makes way <laughs> that's a quarter of what that dude makes off of a fight, like mm-hmm. at least. So it's like, how does that look? You saying like I'm going to pay you somebody who makes four times this amount this amount for this fight? Like that's a, that's ridiculous. Like it makes no sense. But um. I don't know, just like kind of like he the, most of the most of the, the the whole thing was really about that just kind of him saying that like, he's focused on Floyd. He really wants the Floyd fight. Um, he he definitely threw a couple shots at the WWE. Um, <laughs> he did, <laughs> and you know, saying uh, that you know that the the strut walk is his, and you know, there's nothing I know that Vince McMahon and no one in the WWE can do about it. Mm-hmm. And um, even him saying the whole, you know, never say never about the WrestleMania thing. Um, so, but the majority of this was pretty much about, you know, the Floyd thing and just kind of, you know, um, bashing the, the divisions that he fights in. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I thought, I, I, 
me personally, I, I don't. I want to know how much the tickets were going for this thing because he had to make some money off of this. Like, oh, absolutely. I really want to know how much he's he he banked off of just this night alone. Um, Cause it's not like he was fighting; he was just up there talking for an hour. Like, yeah. So, I mean, it was just an interview. <laughs> but I mean, he was true. I mean, what he said was true. Like, you know, there's more people here or watching me right now than that fight that night. And yeah. I feel like that was in itself just kind of like a, a, a ploy of him trying to, you know, force his hand a little bit to say, you know, like I'm just I'm up here on the stage, I'm talking, and I have more people interested in me doing this than than the fight that you have on right now. Yeah, he proved his point that that he definitely the UFC is benefiting more from him than he's benefiting from the UFC. Like he has made himself into a star that does not need the UFC behind him. He could go do anything and people will turn out, people will spend money on it because he's entertaining and he puts on a show and he doesn't disappoint. Um, The one thing that I'm not sure what side I'm definitely falling on this. He said, you know, Dana said a year ago, this thing will never happen. There's no way this will ever happen. And now there's actually an offer on the table. So we're actually getting somewhere. Do you think they're getting somewhere, or do you think Dana knew Floyd would never take that money, so he'd just throw it out there thinking it's an offer that will never be accepted, and that's the end of that? Yeah, I think Dana is just kind of like, he's just like kind of making fun of it in a sense. Like, I think he thinks Floyd's not going to take it, but if he is going to take it, I think he's just, because, I mean, the stuff he's like saying and doing, he's just completely lowballing, you know, to, to Floyd mm-hmm. and, and, and for the most part. So I think he's just he, he's not taking it seriously. He's just kind of you know like making joke out of it. Do you think Floyd wants to do it? Uh, I think he wants to do. It. I think there's a part of him that does because it's different. It's not boxing. It's this is you know somebody coming from a different world. So I think there's an intrigue there. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He definitely doesn't need to do it or have to do it. What I like about what Connor said is like. This is history-making. This is something that's never been done before. And maybe Floyd wants to be part of that. Like, this is it's is a spectacle that he's never been a part of before. Yeah, I think that, that – and I think that's part of the intrigue, the intrigue for him to want to do it is that it hasn't been done before. But at the same time, even because it hasn't been done before, that's even more of a reason for him to not budge on a lower cut for money-wise for this fight. Yeah, it, it, it's going to it, – if it happens, I think it will be the highest-selling pay-per-view of all time. But I, yeah, I don't think it will even be close. And he wants to – I mean, there's no doubt that – I mean, he obviously said that he, he'll do it. That there's, you know, intrigue for him to do it. But he wants the money to be right. He wants it done in a way. He, and Floyd's kind of on that on the kick of, you know, he doesn't want middlemen in, involved. And he, yeah. he definitely sees the UFC and Dana White as middlemen. Now, what do you think about – Connor saying that if guys can go off and do grappling tournaments, I should be able to go off and do boxing matches. Like, do you think that he actually has a point there? Yeah, because, I mean, you have somebody in, you know, John Jones who's suspended from the UFC, but he's going off and doing grappling tournaments. Like, he's still under contract. He's suspended, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's still going to do that. But on the other end, like, you have to realize, like, John Jones is a big deal, no, no doubt about it. But John Jones isn't on the – he isn't to the point of what Conor, Conor McGregor is. Right. So, you know, he's not the cash cow right now that Conor McGregor is. So it's like, you know, you're not going to – like, you're not going to care as much as what John Jones is doing 
as much as you're going to care what Conor McGregor is doing because Conor McGregor is, a, is really the cash cow right now. So especially when he has something like this on the table, you know, something different, something that's big money making, you're not just going to let that to, to, you know, to go off without trying to get your, your claws into it. Right. Yeah, I do think they'll have a hard time doing this without UFC. I don't know. After watching that interview, because I've been saying it's never going to happen, it's never going to happen. I'm a little bit on the fence now. Where it's, I feel like the door is a little bit open. It's definitely more open than it ever was before or more open than I ever thought it would be. And I even think it's interesting that Floyd and Connor are saying things kind of complimentary to each other at this point. Like, Yeah, I think, I think the, whole, the whole side of... I think Floyd more so, not to say that Connor wasn't thinking this way beforehand, yes. but I think he woke up that more entrepreneurial side of Connor and made him think, started thinking even more business wise, like, you know, of what he wants to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, Connor was definitely talking about that, like how he wants to, you know, he wants to, you know, be in association with, he wants to, you know, be a partner with and start, like, you know, helping fighters and putting on fights and things like that. Because, I mean, he's, he's starting to see the money side of it. And it's hard because he's the first Indian over the hill when it comes to this. They never had, you know, any other <laughs> fighter getting to the getting to the point of, you know, they're big enough to want to say or even be able to do, like, partnership or be like, hey, you know, I want to be an extension. I want to, you know, branch off from this and, and do this thing this way. So it's 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 obviously not going to be accepted well, and you know he's gonna he's gonna meet a lot of you know confrontation about it, especially with Dana White in the UFC. So, oh yeah, Dana even said something to that effect the other day. Like he's basically in for a huge fight if he takes us on. I just think, to me, it's the biggest thing in combat sports history if they do it. Now, let's say for for argument's sake, in November. We get a super fight, Conor McGregor against Floyd Mayweather. How does that fight go? Uh, it's definitely going to be boxing based. Um, I, no, I mean like how, how it will definitely be boxing, but like how how do you see that fight playing out between the two of them? Um, in a straight boxing it's, match, <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely going to be intriguing because Floyd is super defensive. Mm-hmm. And Connor, pretty much, he waits on his opponent, so he's kind of defensive too, in a way. So um, it's it's going to be definitely different. But I think Floyd is just going to play his game. He's going to be defensive, and he's going to counterpunch. And I think Connor is going to, you know, he's not get frustrated, but I think he's going to feel comfortable enough to, you know, start throwing more punches and putting more pressure on Floyd because Floyd isn't going to, you know, just come out and naturally start throwing punches. He's going to be defensive and counterpunch. Mm-hmm. Do you think Conor has any chance to win that in a boxing match? Uh, I don't know because it's hard to it's hard to hit Floyd. It's yeah. very it's <laughs> super hard to hit Floyd, um, and it's not like you know it makes martial arts where you have these guys who he can frustrate them enough to the point where they start throwing shots and he can just you know do what he does. It's it's not that same thing. You're fighting somebody who who has been boxing for a very long time and is super super patient. So it's it's not gonna go the same way that he's his his MMA fights have gone because he's not dealing with the same type of uh, of fighters. Yeah, there's no to dealing with. There's no one more disciplined in the fight game than Floyd Mayweather. He's not going to stray from his game plan. Um, another worry I have with Connor is just he's he's very big on like preparation and training your body to do certain things. 
I feel like he has so much muscle memory that almost how do you train yourself? Because he he uses a lot of kicks, leg kicks, you know that kind of wheel kick, those straight kicks to the body. So when you're using your kicks, he use a lot of those kind of like hip fakes and a lot of movement with your lower body. I don't know how he trains himself to not do that. Um, I mean, well, a lot of his his fights as of lately, they've been mostly straight up. He's been throwing more punches. And, I mean, if he's thinking about that fight, he's probably been, you know, training himself for the most part as of lately to, you know, just focus on punching. Um, so I think he may, he may, you know, obviously out of the, like you said, out of muscle memory, he may attempt to, like, like the, that movement, but he's not going to be able to do it. You know what I mean? It's just, I think he'll be conscious enough to remember that he's not going to be able to throw it. So he's obviously going to be tempted to want to throw it, especially with Floyd, because somebody <laughs> defensive as him, you're, after a while, you're going to get super frustrated. You're going to want to try to hit him with anything you can. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he's smart enough to remember, like, he's not going to be able to throw his kicks. He's going to have to stay grounded and, you know, fight a boxing fight. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be worried about him throwing any kicks. I'd be worrying about him, like, with a lot of that hit movement where you're almost kind of trying to telegraph a kick to get somebody to bite on it, where he'd be kind of like, it'd be like wasted motion. Um, I don't know. I'm super curious about it. I think it would be very interesting. If even if it's not a competitive fight, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. And then I think Connor, obviously, the one, the two things he has going for him is he definitely hits the harder of the two, I believe. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the he's got that reach advantage, which could play to his advantage. So I, I'd be super curious to see it. Um, and then the last thing I want to get into: uh, a good friend of the show, a friend of uh, mine, Eric's and Alo's, Josh Aguina floated the idea that on the next season of The Ultimate Fighter, they're saying there's one fighter who's under UFC contract who will be on the show. He thinks that fighter will be none other than Phil Brooks, CM Punk. One, do you think that will happen? And two, do you think that's a good idea? Um, do I think it will happen? Not really sure. Do I think it's a good idea? Absolutely. Because even though he, he you know went through the training and he did things like that, I think that will give him um, even more uh, proper training, and it'll give him. I mean, because really he came in, and he pretty much came in off of his name. Like mm-hmm. he didn't come in with any experience in his background. He's not even a traditional wrestler, right? So, um, and I just think it'll give him more experience and it give him more practice and more training in this field. Um, so I, I definitely don't think it's a bad look for him. I definitely think it's a good look for him. It cannot, it can't hurt him at all. It can only uh, work out for him and do do good for him. So um, as far as I think it's him, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, is it good for him? It definitely is good for him. It's a great idea for him. Um, yeah, I think it would be good. I think it'd be good for the ratings of that show. Um, and I think it's, I hate to say this because I know training for mixed martial arts is not a comfortable thing, but you may get into a comfort zone when you're just training in a certain camp with the same guys all the time doing the same things. And I think it'd be good for him to get taken out of that comfort zone and train in a different way than what he's used to. Uh, I think he might learn some new things, and I think, I don't know, I just think it'd be good for him as far as that career. Not that he's ever going to you know, be a a legitimate contender of any sort in the UFC, but I think if he really wants to pursue MMA, I think that would be the best thing for him. 
Yeah, um, just because, and it's different competition, like you were saying, like, you know, you're practicing, and, you know, with the same couple of guys, so you get used to those couple of people, but in that atmosphere, like, it's going to switch because different people are winning and different people are fighting. Mm-hmm. So there's nobody who's who's who, who's actually geared to what you've been training. Like, it's going to be a bunch of different things. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see it, and I'd, I'd be interested to watch it. I haven't watched The Ultimate Fighter in a while. I think the, the season that Rousey and Misha Tate coached was the last season I watched. So it's been a while. I would actually tune in every week if he was on it. Um, yeah, the last season I watched was Connor and uh, Uriah Faber. I saw some of those episodes, actually. The, the one that stands out to me was when they were playing that game in the helicopter, when they were drive, throwing whatever down into the target. I don't even remember who won that season. I think it was Watermelons. Oh, was uh, it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the funny thing, Cody Garbrandt was on that season. He oh, was, was he really? Fight Connor. Yeah, he was the one getting ready to fight Connor. <laughs> I didn't realize he was even on that on that season. Um, so is there anything else MMA or wrestling related you would like to get into before uh, we get out of here? Um, not really. Um, I think we got, uh, as far as the high home and – Duramity card, like I'm Anderson Silva's fighting on that card, mm-hmm. um, so that that could be um, intriguing depending on how that goes. Um, but I'm not not big on that card. Um, but the the Woodley Thompson card, I'm definitely big on that card. I think that's going to be um, a, definitely a good fight. Uh, I, I saw their first fight. Um, I thought it was a great fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think I necessarily saw it as a tie like like everyone else did, but. Yeah. Um, I definitely wanted to see them fight again or continue the fight. So, um, you know, I'm definitely excited for that car and that match. Also, you got uh, the two donkeys that Connor were talking about, Khabib <laughs> and Tony Ferguson, yes. are fighting on that card as well. And uh, the return of Mark Hunt um, after fighting Brock Lesnar, he's fighting Alistair Overeem. I think that's, that's on that card as well. So, you know, and he's still kind of not very happy with the UFC. So we'll see how that goes as well. I'm curious to see that fight. That could be a, a nasty fight. I mean, that's two guys with knockout power. One guy, obviously, a much better athlete than the other. Um, but the guy who's less athletic has an iron chin. So that'll be an interesting fight. And the uh, the Thompson-Woodley fight I'm super interested in because I think we'll see, like, a new level of aggression from the two of them. Like, I think that they want – they probably both want to come out as the clear-cut winner. So I think we'll kind of see a fight where both guys are definitely trying to finish it off, not just kind of win a battle. I think we're going to see yeah. like I think we're going to see two guys really go at it. Um, I don't know who's going to win. I'd prefer to see Woodley. I've always been a Woodley fan. Um, I'm not big on Woodley. I feel like he's super corny. <laughs> I under I definitely understand that. The reason why I always uh, was a big Woodley fan is because he there were multiple fight camps that he helped train BJ Penn for. So I was a big enough BJ Penn fan that if you were rolling with him, I was going to roll with you too. So that, that's really just my allegiance more so than anything else. Yeah, I like Wonder Boy. I'm I'm I just can't something about like I respect him no mm-hmm. doubt, but I just find him super corner. I feel like he's trying to be like something and it's just like it's not so it's just it just doesn't connect for me <laughs> yeah it, yeah i definitely agree with that um and wonder boy is, is a fun fighter to watch i'm looking forward to seeing that fight again um we co- i think feel like we covered an awful lot of ground here tonight 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Donovan, thank you as always for coming on. It's always a fun time. It's always interesting. I always appreciate it. Um, look forward to having you on again soon. Uh, one time we'll have to get you on again with the, the whole show. Maybe one time we'll have to get, you know, guys like you, Derek McCauley, Russ, a lot of the guys who discuss the show on here together at some point. I know we'll all see each other at NXT, though, next week. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Derek and Russ are both going. Um, so, yeah, they told me about it, so. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so February 9th at the Tower Theater in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. NXT Live is coming. Who are you most looking forward to seeing live? Um, I would like to see the revival. Um, I would have liked to see TM61, but <laughs> of course we're not. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to see any of the women except for Liv Morgan, Pe- okay. uh, Peyton Royce, and Big A. <laughs> um, and I would... I mean, I would like to see Rude and Nakamura if they're there. Um, I wouldn't. I'm not necessarily expecting them to be there, but I'll, I would like to see them. I think we're more likely to see Bobby Rude than Nakamura. Um, and I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to seeing Asuka. Yeah, I would like to see Asuka. Um, so Actually, I would like to see Sanity too. I feel like they've built them up enough where I mean, I, intrigued enough to want to see them. Uh, I'm with you on that. I kind of want to see them too. I, I like to. I really actually enjoy their entrance music too. So if, even if it's just for that, it's it's enough. But no, you're right. They have built them up really well. I think, and I hope they continue to do so. Um, yeah. So Donovan, I will see you on February 9th. I look forward to yes. it. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you again for the. Let's see the mouth of the bout for the face of the heel for the whole effing podcast. Donovan the Lowdown Lloyd, no relation. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next week. They talking all the day, talking all the day. Hop on the top rope, by the land with his elbow. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. Fist of Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again. Fans mocking man, man, I hate my balls. Shut the Vince McMahon, it ain't safe to land. Off the cell, fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome. Well, what I'm cooking, man, y'all off the smell.